Hey, Justin, how are you? Uptown Bane, you've been flying in this crashing plane. You've been beating shit out of CIA. the get a jump show that's Gen. he's mad at me i'm jump today we're going to talk about the dark knight rises that's why i bane posted right at the beginning of this episode we're going to bane post a lot in this episode i'm also going to talk about packs because i went there came back corona free pretty good i think i did a good job and, uh, again, I'll probably talk about some shit once he's done being mad at me. But in the meantime, yeah, I went to PAX. It was, uh, it was great. I just want to go the whole episode not talking, but I probably can't. I would have kept going until, like, you actually, like, gave up and started talking to me. just wanted to not acknowledge your presence ever again <laughs> in my life. I don't know. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been posting a lot of those memes on the... On the Twitter, it, it's a celebratory moment where we can bane post for a little bit. Three in one day today. Well, th- this is Thursday. Yeah. Uh, just because I'll probably throw a post three tomorrow when that episode goes up. Yeah. Got too many of them saved. It's, it's a big moment. It's a big meme for you. Yeah, that's the that's the best part of this whole thing. I think so. With this revolving around this movie, because man, it's uh not great. Yeah. It's okay, I guess. Uh, I don't know. It's not it was bad, weird but... to revisit because, unlike The Dark Knight and Batman Begins, this one gets worse in my brain every time I rewatch it. Mm-hmm. And that was no exception here. It's been so long since I've seen it that I was kind of hoping that it would be better this time. It wasn't. It was worse. Uh, but no, and it's disappointing because I do like like a lot of aspects of this movie. I don't think it's a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. No. When you're talking about like we we rocketed Batman Begins up to the top of our list and then the Dark Knight passed that two weeks in a row. And this one ain't gonna continue that trend. Nope. I, I don't know where it's gonna land, but we'll figure that out later anyway. Uh, you had a fun time. Yeah, I went to I went to Boston for PAX East over this past week here. Yeah. The previous weekend before Corona this episode Con comes one. out. Yeah. Um, Hopefully there's not a Corona Con too. <laughs> no, no reported Corona cases there. Yeah, I'm Corona free. Can I? Can I had I make a physical, a, uh, somewhat controversial statement. Uh huh. Um, I feel like Corona as a whole, while it is bad, is mostly blown out of proportion. Um, most most of these are. But, but it's not for a terrible reason? No, it never is a, for a terrible reason. Like, I'm not going to undervalue a disease that has killed people. I'm just saying, like, fucking the flu kills people. This happens. I It's a new virus, so that makes it sound scary. But I think if you're just, like, you know, clean and careful... And you wash your hands, and you don't cough on people. I feel like you'd probably be okay. 
I don't know. I feel like everybody tends to get super paranoid and and honestly somewhat racist when these things happen. Oh, yeah, that's a big uh, thing. That's been infuriating to watch. <coughs> Just because someone's Asian, that means they're going to give you the coronavirus, apparently. You've seen, like, a couple, like, in a couple states, like, like local Chinese restaurants getting, like, fucked out of business because of it. Yeah, that's pretty awful. It's like, it doesn't work like that, boys. No. I mean, I, it, it remains to be seen what the end result of it all will be, but I don't know. It's not the Black Plague. There's no reason for the media to treat it like it's this fucking, like, crazy fucking thing. It is a big deal. It's just, like... It is, but so was SARS in its era. So yeah. was the fucking pig flu and the bird flu in their era. And, uh, they're gone now. It's fine. There's always gonna be a new flu of some sort. You gotta, you know, we'll get past it. Mm-hmm. This one, gotta... I just, I've never seen one of these, like, affect, like, everything so much to the point where we have, uh,. Video game companies not sure what they're going to do. Movie studios delaying the release of their big films. Uh, there's All a kinds lot of shits happening. So I can understand it's a lot good of like to be cautious, but it's not good to like demonize an entire race of people. Yeah. Right? So no, there's a big thing like because China has been so ravaged. Yeah. By this virus, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of like understandability in a lot of these companies who interact with China a lot kind of taking a step back because they're more vulnerable. Yeah. And it's not just to protect their guys from getting it. It's also to protect other people from getting it. Because you could carry it on you and just not even know. You just be a carrier. Yep, you, you just know, be a carrier. A and it could feel like you just got like a minor flu. Sure. And you got like sick for a couple of days or something, but you're carrying the virus. Well. That's why I'm here, back from Boston, to give everybody corona. Oh, thanks, dude. You're welcome, buddy. I'm looking out for you. So anyway, yeah, PAX. Had a great time there. Played a yeah. lot of video games. Mm-hmm. Not as many um, to talk about, at least for me personally, as I did last year. But uh, there's there's a few that I really, really enjoyed. Um, I'll start out with a couple uh, couple bigger ones. Uh, I played Granblue Fantasy Versus. Okay. Which is... Uh, Based on an anime I've never seen, nor care about. Yeah, I wasn't. Uh, isn't it like a popular card game for the phone? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's people go nuts over that shit, but I don't really see it a whole lot. I just know that people are in love with those characters in that world, so it's cool to see it adapted into another medium where maybe more people could get their eyes on it and know what it is. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. definitely more interested in a fighting game. So how was that? It was really good. Like, really, really fun and fluid. It's Arxis, right? Yeah, it's got that Arxis feel to it. Um, that It's got that Guilty Gear style, like, 2D, 3D okay. thing going on. Um, but it's, like, it's really intuitive to play. Where they have, uh, it's not like Dragon Ball where you had, like, the one-button command combo stuff. Sure. Instead, what they opted to do in this game to make it the user experience a little easier is they have, uh, you can use the L1, sorry, R1 button to execute, like, a special command. Okay. And then 
you could also use the R1, like R1 plus like basic quarter circles and stuff to do more complicated commands. Cool. Which, so you have like your basic fighting game fundamentals and you still have to work out your own combos and stuff, but it makes some of the harder to input stuff a little bit easier, which I think is a way better approach to that than something like the auto combos in Dragon Ball. Yeah, that, that's, uh, it's simultaneously friendly towards beginners and not friendly towards them in learning anything useful. Right. Yeah. That's that's the big thing that I think uh, was, wasn't that good about Dragon Ball Fighters, as much as I love that game. I think that, that that was just kind of a failed mechanic. You could feel like you're doing good, and then you could play someone who actually knows what they're doing, and then you get your ass beat. Yeah. This, you really don't know shit. Right. This is uh, it's what you're going to expect from a normal fighting game, but then you can... You don't have to do, like, as many crazy inputs, mm-hmm. which is nice. And each character has their own special ability that's just, like, tied to just a press of the R1 button. Whether it's, like, some kind of, like, charge slash or a grapple for one character who's, like, specifically a grappler, who's really fun. Um, I played as Gran, who is, uh, just, like, I Mishoto. did not know there was a character named Gran in He's Gran just, Blue. Yep, his name is just Gran. Is there a He's character the main named character. Blue, or is he Gran Blue? I, I, maybe, I don't know. I know his first name's Gran, that's it. I don't know anything about these fucking characters, Genhart. Are you kidding me? Well, maybe you'll just have to read the lore in the game. Hopefully it's like in a... Nope. Fucking... What's that other Arxis game where like there's just like massive amounts of text on the screen? Oh, Undernate Inbirth? Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it's like that one and you can't read nothing. You're just like, oh my god, like, he, he walks in the valley of the shepherd of the... Oh, well, it's gone. I don't know what there was. There was like a whole book written there. I don't Dude, know. Dude, there's so much text in that game. I don't get it. It's kind. Of, it's really funny. I don't know yeah. what they were thinking, but no one can read that shit. No, not Ain't at nobody all. got time for that. I played as Grand, who is like just basically a Shoto. Okay. Like you know, Ryu and Ken. Sure. Yeah. He has like a basic Hadouken command. Has a Shoryu. Has a Tatsu style command. That makes sense if he's like your main character, your standard man. Yeah. Your Ryu. Mm-hmm. That's exactly You're what they did. Mario? Sure. I don't know if that really works in Smash to have that. Not really. Whatever. Smash is different because it's like a one-size-fits-all style control Yeah, scheme. that's... Oh, not the best one. Your Scorpion. Yeah. Or Sub-Zero. Right. I said it wrong. Elemental. <coughs> but, uh... It was, it was really fun. The game is really fluid. You can execute some really cool stuff without, not, without knowing much. I only played a total of four games. Okay. Because one session you get to, you go up there and you you play two games and then they kick you off. And I played the inside. I was there by myself for a lot of the event. Okay. So I uh, so I just played against like two random guys. Oh. And I I won most of my matches, all but one. All right. So I, I did pretty good. I'm a fighting game guy. I know how to do the thing. This came out. Uh, it came out Tuesday. Okay. So you can play it now. I've heard, really it, I've heard it's good, game. but then online, bad. Yeah, that tends to be what happens with Arxis games. Yeah. None of them have good online. Yeah. So, which kind of kind of discourages me from buying it. <coughs> I would I would probably not. I would wait. Because, like, you know, probably just be a better version of it that comes out eventually. Anyway, they did that with Undernight as well. Yeah. That's the on, now. The online still, probably won't be better. Yeah. No, but if you're going to buy it, you might as well buy the one that has more characters and shit in it. Yeah. Know? I mean, it's really good. I just have no interest in buying it right now, especially since I have a clavicate of other fucking games I'm going to want to play coming up here real soon. Yeah, it's going to be a stacked year. Another game I played is I played Fuser, Harmonix's 
new game. Okay. They had a big fucking booth for it there at PAX. It was really, really cool. What's it for? It's This is for modern consoles. Okay. It's for Xbox One PC. Alright. Um, I didn't know if it was just like a phone game or another No, thing. no. This is... It, it very much uses like what looks like the Rock Band engine. Okay. Like the character models of the game look like Rock Band character models. That might not be a good thing. I mean, it, it looks fine. <laughs> Alright, fine. So, Fuser is... um. Is a sort of like mixing game with like elements of scoring, like Rock Band has. It's a very very interesting game. Okay. And I actually thought it was pretty fun. Um, do you know what Drop Mix is? Yeah, that, that was that, a harmonics thing that happened, right? right? So that's like some kind of like card game that incorporates like elements of certain songs and yeah. combines them into a song. Right. Like you're making your own like fucking unintentional Neil Cicerega shitpost song. Right. <laughs> yeah. So this game is that, right? Okay. Where you'll have, like, you have, like, a four... Uh, you have, like, a four-panel mixing board in front of you, right? Mm-hmm. And you have, above you, you have a tracker with a bunch of different songs, right? Okay. And then you can pick from it and then pick, like, a type of track to take from it. You have, uh... You have, like, backbeat. You have... I think it's, like, main riff... Uh, the g- guitar symbol, which is like, I don't know, some kind of instrumentation thing, sure, okay. and vocals. Yeah, all right. So what you do is you go, you so you like, you have a cursor, you bring the cursor up there, and you select which type of you want, and you drag it down, and you put it in one of the four slots in your mixer. Okay. And then it starts playing that, right? But it uh, it's a little more challenging because it's set up like. You score based on how seamless it comes together. It judges you based on that, which right. is interesting. Hmm. Um, you have a you have like a five star score, like you do in Rock Band, and like, and you you know how to like you know when something's gonna sound bad, and you have to like work on downbeats and stuff like that as well. Okay. To, like switch into something else to help score more points. It's really fascinating. I got to play. I only got to like play it for a little bit. I'd be interested in checking that out if it's not, like, a super expensive game. I don't know. We'll see. That looks like it shouldn't be. All right. If it's licensed tracks, it might be a little... It is licensed tracks. It was, uh... What, were, what was in there that you were playing with? It was mess with, uh, Bad Guy. Okay. Uh, Old Town Road. Okay. Um, Don't Fear the Reaper. <laughs> uh, I think, was it Hey Ya? Was in there, too? Did I have anything else written down? When I was looking at uh, Drop Mix or whatever it was called, they were combining uh, Uptown Funk and fucking Down With The Sickness, and that was weird. <laughs> that was really weird. Oh, there's also, there was also... Okay, here we go. I found something online. There was uh, Born This Way by Lady Gaga, Good okay. As Hell by Lizzo, Party Rock Anthem, Better Now. All right. That's, that. So it's probably leaning more towards pop. Yeah. Yeah. Because pop is easier to mix together than. Don't fear the reaper is a weird outlier there. Um, oh, you, you, I, I, I did some really funny. did some really funny with that. Uh-huh. I put like, I put like the vocals of Don't Fear the Reaper to like the uh, the backbeat of like Better Now by Post Malone, <laughs> and it was like, it, it was like really funny. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, if nothing else, that might be just be fun to make weird shit. Yeah, yeah. It, it that's 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 what I like about it. It's just like yeah. some fun you can mess with. Sure. 
just like have kind of a good time. Like, I, I, I actually enjoyed my time with it. And I was like, wow, this looks like Rock Band. This is weird. Hmm. <laughs> what they had for it was cool. They gave me a dumb pair of pink sunglasses. It was a good time. I left them at my brother's house. Oh, okay. probably sitting there. I've seen a lot of your random paraphernalia from packs that chivalry sword yeah that that's, is a that's hat. yeah i gave that to uh, get that to josh you got me a destroy all humans uh mask yeah so it doesn't work uh, so remember because, like it's of crypto's face the alien from the game but the eye holes are where his eye holes would be but that's not where your eyes are yeah so it's just like really stupid looking <laughs> if you put it on and try to actually align it that's amazing but it's really funny um yeah, the uh, so I remember last week I was talking like, man, who uh, who's gonna replace Sony? That yeah. big section that was right. It's that big section right when you come in. Mm-hmm. It's where Sony was gonna be on the floor plans, and uh, THQ Nordic bought that spot. So that's where the Destroy Humans crap was. Yeah, so they yeah. just had like a bunch of a bunch of kiosks for their games. They had Destroy Humans. Uh, they had SpongeBob. SpongeBob. Okay. They had a couple other. They had a that Dark Siders Diablo like game. Right. I'm hearing that's okay. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. hearing too. And uh, I just yeah, then yeah they had the destroyal humans. There's like five people dressed up as destroyal humans alien, just like running that's, around. That's There's little funny. cryptos just running yeah, around being dickheads. It's just the one alien, but he gets cloned. So yes, yeah, so it's yeah, they had five of them just running around. I love that like when you die in that game, it just like your your crypto spiridium one three six at the beginning, uh-huh. and then every time you die, it's like at Cryptosporidium 137 spawned, and you, it'll just keep increasing the more you die. That's fun. I don't know if there's a limiter on that. I hope there isn't. Like maybe when someone gets the new HD version, they can get to like Cryptosporidium two thousand two hundred and forty nine. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun because every once in a while I would look around and just like see them somewhere else. Yeah, there's some point they're just go around and, like terrorizing other booths. That's pretty fun. They uh, there was a big Magic the Gathering booth for like their Diablo like game that's coming out. Uh huh. And uh, and they just like went into the booth. And they had like a big big like monster prop thing there, and they all like post in front of it. <laughs> for pictures and shit. That's fun. At least there's some cool stuff like that. PAX seems a lot more friendly to uh, fans. Yeah, that's what it's... Because it's, it's not like E3. Yeah, that's not what I was going to mainly compare Yeah, because PAX is like... I feel like that's what E3 for most wants fans. to become, but they won't be able to if they're going to charge as much as they want to charge. Right. PAX is not that expensive. Yeah. We paid just over $200 for a four-day pass, which is not bad. Most of my expenses on that trip come from flight and hotel. Just stayed in a very nice apartment. It was a good time. Yeah, I saw the pictures of that fucking thing. That's that's not that's not a hotel Dude, room. No, that's I stayed like in a, a fucking house. What the it fuck? was like a like a rich person apartment. Yeah, in like a rich person apartment complex, uh, right? Like across the literally across the street from the hotel I stayed at last year. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah, and uh, best part about staying in that place not just that it was really spacious and a nice apartment. Um, it was a pet friendly apartment. Everybody had dogs. Dude, hell Every yeah. time I went in the elevator, there was a dog, and I was like, may I pet? And they were like, yeah, and I Fuck pet the dog. yeah, dude. Dog. All kinds of dogs, dude. See, that's good. Got, a big old, got to pet a big old, very nice golden lab. Oh, hell yeah. Got to, got to see a little pug. There's a bunch of dogs. Every, every fucking dog. Oh, this is great. That's cool. This is the best part of the whole trip. Hell yeah. Dude. Doggos. Another game I played. I'm talking topic of music games. There's only got a couple more, so okay. Because like I said, not a whole lot that I played that was great. Played a game called Spin Rhythm XD. XD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a game that I bought as soon as I got home from PAX, and I oh. liked it so much. Okay. 
It's, uh, as you could tell, a rhythm game. But it's really interesting in that it emulates, like, a like a DJ turntable thing. Like, just the turntable part of it. So not, like, DJ Hero? Sort of. But sort of? Okay. Um, I've been I'll, waiting I'll for get, there I'll to be to, a successor to that game for a long time. I'll get to something about that there in a moment. Okay. Uh, but you have, a, so you have, like, your turntable, right? Uh-huh. And it's separated evenly, divided to, like, six times, uh, between blue and pink colors, okay? Okay. And the idea is you use, like, your keyboard or mouse or peripheral to move it to line up with colors that are coming down as notes. Sure. And then also there's big notes come down that you have to, like, you're supposed to, like, tap the, supposed to tap the, the, uh, the turntable to hit those notes, but if you have a keyboard or mouse, you just use, like, the Z key or something. Okay. And then there's other ones where you have to, like, follow a trail, too, in that color. So the idea is you're, like, kind of moving this, 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 uh, this turntable back and forth to match with these colors, and it's really neat. Hmm. And then you also spin it. Yes. Where there's ones that show up where you just spin the turntable. Sound familiar to you? Yes. Sounds a little bit like DJ Hero, it don't it? Sounds exactly like DJ Hero. Yes, yeah, it plays better than DJ Hero, in my opinion. Okay. I think it has a little more challenge to it, and I like that. But so I went to the booth. Very nice Australian man talking to me about the game. Uh-huh. And uh, asked him about... Like, One he, of the devs or something? I, I guess. I okay. don't know. I'm not sure. I'm gonna imagine. I don't imagine it was because there was a very small booth, very small team making this game. It's still in early access. Sure. And uh, asked them like, "What can you do for peripherals for this game?" Because they had like an actual like mixer, and then you then they then like had it plugged in via MIDI, and then you could use the the actual turntable to play the game. Yeah. Which is really cool. I was like, "What can so what can you do to play this game? You just play it with keyboard and mouse." He's like, "Yeah, that's what most people do," but uh, we figured out. That if you get a uh, USB Bluetooth adapter and a PlayStation 3 DJ Hero controller, it works. Oh, shit. I was like, fuck. So now we got to go to some Goodwills, buddy. <laughs> I kind of want to anyway to get uh, a new Rock Band guitar. If you're 360. lucky. I've been looking, but it's hard. Yeah. You know. Hard to find those. It's hard to find DJ They're Hero stuff, too. I'm sure I, I'm sure I can walk in the exchange and, like, please God, take this DJ Hero stuff. But... Yeah. It actually can't be expensive. Mm-hmm. I haven't really did any. I haven't really done any research, but who, who knows? I might do that just because it'd be fun. Game's really cool. Okay. Not much. There's not a whole lot I can say about how it works. Well, descriptively, you should just go check it out. If you like rhythm games, you'll really like that game. Gives me DJ Hero and Osu vibes, kind of like at the uh, same time. Okay. Just the way you control it with keyboard or mouse. Right. I got you. Because you use the Z and X buttons plus the mouse, and you're tapping shit. Sure. That's where it has kind of a similarity, but it's nowhere near as challenging as Osu is. Or Osu's is a, or is Weeb-tastic. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because <laughs> this is this game's soundtrack is a lot more like like uh, techno house style yeah. music. Okay, it's, it's it's pretty good music too. Like I don't That's mind what it you'd at expect all. Expect it to be. Yeah. There's a. It's not out for it yet, but there's a there's a, a remix song from Celeste that oh, Letter Rain did okay. coming onto there. It's pretty Neat. cool. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Another game I played, uh, I played uh, Chicory, A Colorful Tale, a game that I, I already backed on Kickstarter, but I didn't play the demo for it that they gave us. Okay. Because I was like, oh, I'll just wait till the game came out, comes out, but like they were there at PAX, so sure I decided to stop by yeah. and just like play it. I was like, fuck it, I'll play it. You play it, they give you a free pin. Cool. So I was like, yeah, I'll play it, shit, and sit down and play it. They asked, uh, <laughs> game immediately asked what your favorite food is, and that's what you're supposed to name your character. I wrote memes. 
Oh. <laughs> and the guy who was like running the PR thing there was like, that's not a food. <laughs> 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 Isn't it though? Need him to live. <laughs> Come on, man. And uh build strong bones. Chicory is a really cute game about you about your dog. Mine's named Memes. Yes. <laughs> and you're uh you work as a cleaner for uh this rabbit named Chicory to uh has power of a magical paintbrush to keep the world colored. And make it look beautiful and stuff, right? Okay. Um, one day, all of a sudden, all the color vaporizes from the world, and Chicory disappears, but the brush is still there. So Memes picks up the brush <laughs> and decides to take on the role of coloring the world. The game intentionally With makes memes. you. Uh, the game intentionally makes you suck. You okay. have a you have a limited selection of colors. Uh-huh. You are using the right control stick to paint. You're not supposed to do a good job. It's great. Okay. Sure. But like with some practice, you could probably do a better job. And there's some tools you can use to make it look there. But you can't make it look anywhere near like an actual painting okay. at first. It's kind of the idea. I got you. Yeah. And so you run around this black and white world, and no matter like there's a plot and everything to follow too. But while you're running around, you can just paint shit, yeah. just color stuff however you want, which is really cute and fun. There's some really good dialogue in the game. Uh, one of the first side characters you meet in the game, I, I forget her name, but she's a frog. And you walk up and she's freaking out because her house is now black and white. Yeah. He's like, oh, do you have Chicory's brush? Can you uh, paint my house for me? And you're like, okay. And so you paint her house whatever the fuck you want, right? Mm-hmm. And then she says, hey, uh, can you erase some of that? I'll let you know when to stop. And it teaches you how to use the eraser. Yeah. And you just keep erasing it until you erase the full thing. And she's like, there, that's good. <laughs> now try again. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then you paint it again she's like well I guess that'll have to do <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really funny I yeah. bet that's a fun game it's really cool soundtracks by Lena Rain hey, um, okay. of, of Celeste fame keep making she's music she's very good yeah, she, the music for the game is very good uh, sweet uh, being produced by Finji who's produced a lot of really cool games and they're also really nice about giving their developers time Cool. so that game will come out of the oven looking very good see people who produced Night in the Woods Ah, right. um, and the other game that I'm going to talk about now called Tunic. Okay. Um, a lot of people probably saw this during one of the Xbox events. It's coming out as an Xbox One exclusive. Sure, okay. I think I think it was at their E3 presentation was when it was announced. So I probably saw this too. It's kind of like a like a looks like a Zelda game. Your yes, little uh, yeah. yeah, that really like colorful, cute little world. Uh huh. Your little like fox looking thing. Yeah, it looked exactly like Zelda, except you're a fox. Right, mm-hmm. except it's uh, not quite. Right. And okay. it, it, it plays a little differently than you'd expect. Okay. It's got that isotropic-looking style, um, and it's not wholly 3D, um, but it has a combat system that's like a 3D Zelda game, where you're using targeting, and you're, like, you're doing a lot of evasion and stuff like that. Okay. Then it also carries a little bit of Dark Souls elements, where you have like uh, you have like stuff that you leave behind when you die, and stuff like that. There's ch- there's like revive points and stuff like that. Um, the combat isn't too challenging, just good. Uh, the game's meant to be just kind of like enjoyed and have some fun with it. I'm sure there's like some really difficult stuff later on, but where I was earlier in the game, it was fine enough. wasn't hard. Um, the game is fucking gorgeous. Holy shit! The art style is amazing. It's this really like like really cute like boxy style for its environment, and it works really well. Um, the the colors just pop in that game. 
like the way it's done and it just like it's really appealing to the eyes and and the characters are cute as all get out cool it's a very cool game I definitely I it ends up being good. When, when it comes out I definitely recommend people look at it uh, because I really enjoyed my my brief amount of time with it I got to the end of the demo and it shows the first boss and then it beat my ass and then it just like tunic popped up on the screen I got demos over ha huh? you got your ass beat uh... <laughs> it's like damn alright took my pin and walked away I got my pin my pin for it's on my on my book bag Oh, cool. Sorry, sorry, people who are watching. There's my chicory pin. Yeah. After playing chicory, and there's my tunic pin. Oh, the dog's cute. Cool. Yeah, dog, the dog's super cute. Yeah. I got a shirt, too. Nice. I'll show you that afterwards. I saw you at Josh a couple as well, Shovel Knight shit. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, so I went to the Shovel Knight booth. This is the last thing I'm going to talk about, really. Um, okay, sure. I played everything that they had at the Yacht Club booth. Yeah. I, I did the same thing last year, but like I... They had a lot of new stuff this year. Um, okay. They had they, they were showing off Cyber Shadow again. Yeah. The yeah, Ninja Gaiden like game I talked about last year that's really good. Mm-hmm. It's uh, spoiler is still really good, and actually a little better. And holy shit, that game's gonna be a fucking gangbuster when it comes out. Cool. I'm um, glad to see them moving on to something new besides Shovel Knight. They've been well, Cyber Shadow doing it, a lot of Shovel Knight. This is the first uh, not in-house thing that Yacht oh, Club's okay. publishing. Oh, just a publisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just one guy's making this game, and that's why it's kind of taking a while. That makes sense. Yeah, okay. that's why it's taking a long time, but it's it's supposed to come out this fall. I hope so. It's okay. great. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, but the other two games I played, I played uh, Shovel Knight Dig. They're making two uh, Shovel Knight spinoffs, I think, are both coming out this year. Yeah. The first one's called Shovel Knight Dig. Uh, it's coming out probably on like all the... Main consoles, I'd imagine. I played it on the Switch, and uh, the best way I could describe it is it's like literally vertical shovel knight. Okay. Where instead of side scrolling, you are constantly digging downwards. Dig dug style. Yeah, and okay. you're like going through areas, and you're digging through the sand, and it reveals more stuff. And like you keep going down through these levels, and like the way you dig at things, like changes how you interact with them, changes how like things happen with the environment. It's really neat. And there's a lot of enemies that, that maneuver through that where you have to think about where you're digging downward. And that's really neat. Hmm. And then all the boss fights also kind of function around that theme, too. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's very difficult. I died a lot playing that demo. Thankfully, they let me have as many tries as I wanted until I finished it. But man, was it hard. Okay. Hmm. It's a really cool game. I was like, man, this is like... It's like Shovel Knight Dig, Doug. <laughs> Neat. I like that one? a lot. The other one is Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon. Yeah, okay. This is the puzzle game Yeah. Uh, that's coming out and that I think uh, got a trailer what, just just a few weeks ago, if I remember correctly. You have your standard like block-based puzzle screen, right? Where this game is really interesting is your Shovel Knight there on, on the screen there and you're moving around. And every time you move blocks come down okay. and they move down one spot for every spot you move hmm. and then as you as you walk into stuff you you hit it with the shovel now there's just blocks of sand there's uh, health there's health potions there's monsters keys and chests okay yeah um, the way fighting monsters works is really interesting they all have their own set amount of health Every time you hit them and they're still alive, they hit you back. And you have a set amount of health. Okay. So, the way it works is you're, you're hit, you hit something, it hits you back, and you like kill something, and 
you lost some health. Well, there's a potion over there. You can go hit that potion. Now, much in puzzle game fashion, if stuff is like lined up next to each other, you hit it all at once. So the idea, like most puzzle games, is you want to manipulate things so they all fall together, and then you knock it all out at once. Especially with enemies, because trying to take all that one at a time is going to take a big toll on your health and time wasted, and you're going to build a lot of blocks. And then after you, like, I think it's like after you kill so many enemies or break so many blocks, the exit pops up, and then you leave the area and you go to a new puzzle. But there's also a money system in the game, and every once in a while, a special shop will drop down, and you go into the shop and spend that money to get upgrades to use during the puzzles. Alright, sounds okay. It's really neat. It's it's like a it's like a puzzle game mixed with like Crypt of the Necro Dancer or something. Alright, yeah, sure. It's very cool. I enjoyed it a lot. The game was really fun. But yeah, that's about the extent of like all the big stuff I played at PAX. I played a lot of smaller stuff. Not a whole lot of it caught my eye this year. But a lot of like neat stuff that people are doing. It's Okay. It was fun. Sure. I had a great time running around playing a lot of games. Be, being big stupid. As I usually do. I got a lot of free shit. Yeah, I tried to I tried to play the Final Fantasy VII demo, and they're like, "This shit's capped." I tried to play Animal Crossing like every day, and they're like, "This shit's capped." And I'm glad I didn't end up waiting in line for like six hours to play fucking Final Fantasy VII because yeah. two days later they released the demo to the public. It's a good demo, by the way. It's a very good demo. Yeah. I played it. I watched somebody play it. Uh, it's real good. <coughs> I Damn. like it. That I'm game impressed. Is, that game is super fun to play. That's going to be real good. Yeah. Like, holy Despite shit. Despite what anyone is saying. <laughs> There's a lot of people who, like, I guess forgot the entire discussion about it not being the whole game. And they're complaining about it not being the whole game again a whole year later. Like, we've been new. Yeah, it's like old news. <laughs> we've been new. <laughs> but so uh, that's fine by me as long as they add enough shit to make it, like, worth it. I you don't know? really view it as it's not the whole game. They're designing it to be its own game as the first third of the story. Right. Final Fantasy VII is a really long game, if you don't remember. It's a very uh, long game. And if they're extending it and making it bigger and better, I understand why they're going with this trilogy approach, if it's indeed a trilogy. I don't know how many games it'll end up being. I'm, I have a feeling it's actually only going to be two. I think it's going to be three. Oh, okay. But we'll see where they go. I, I'm pretty sure um, that, like, if this is adapting Midgar, it's about a fourth. Yeah, I think they might go. Uh, they might go beyond it. I think. Well, yeah, they might do stuff like Advent Children. Who yeah, knows? that's like part of it, and you might as well like make that better too. It's not very good. No, <laughs> we'll see. Maybe it depends on what they want to do. Um, there's lots of all, there's all kinds of shit they could do. They could pull all kinds of twists out of their ass, make things different than it was initially. Who knows? As long as the game plays like that the whole time, and it should. Oh man. Oh shit. Yeah. I uh. Yeah, I liked how you could do, like, the slowdown things with the RPG commands, but when you start, like, getting, like... When you start getting used to it, you could just do, like, L1, and it pops up shortcuts. Yes. And then you can start doing that shit and just, like, start kicking ass in real time. Yeah. Oh, man. That shit feels satisfying as fuck. Yeah. Wow. That game feel good. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm glad it's shaping up to be good, because... Yeah, I was worried. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. Something that you don't want to be bad, so bad. Well, yeah, and yeah. like, and I'm, I'm one of those, I'm one of those, uh, those fuckers that probably a lot of people hate that doesn't like Final Fantasy VII. So, I want to like this game really bad. I do. You want it to redeem the game in your eyes, I guess. Does you need to like redeem it? I just like want to make the game like the the game fun to play and the story fun to experience. Okay. 
Maybe like the story just like make the the story characters dialogue a little more bearable is what I'd like. I find my big problem with Final Fantasy VII is I find I've never beat seven, but I found it okay. I liked it. I I find a lot of just what's going on in that game a little just like kind of dumb and unbearable. But I, well, there's certainly parts that are dumb, but uh, I, I I enjoyed a lot of it. I also don't know what's going on half the fucking time. Uh, well, you know you'll have that. Uh, I think that won't necessarily be as big of a problem. No, it seemed pretty straightforward to me. I don't know. Yeah. But that's like the early parts of the game where it is like pretty it is straightforward. straightforward. Right. Well, it Homeward depends on how they on. adapt, like the wonkier ideas, like, you know, Genova. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> we'll I'm going to get into some Genova stuff in this game. A little bit. Yeah. Some of it. Should we at least get, what? Should at least see it for a second. I think there should be a whole ass Genova fight in Minigar, isn't there? Or is it uh, after? I think it has to be after. I don't know. I'm very iffy on it. You fight Genova like, what, two or three times? Oh. If I, I remember know. correctly. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I played a couple games over the weekend. Yeah, what'd you play, buddy? Oh, my God. Oh, no. <laughs> I finished the FMV games. They're all done. All three that I bought in that pack. Oh, yeah. So Wales the third Interactive. One. The third one's called The Bunker. <laughs> it's the worst one. Oh no! Late shift is the only good one. Do not bother with uh, Doctor Dicker <laughs> or the bunker. Now, granted, the bunker is a much shorter experience than Doctor Decker. Uh, that is about a fifteen-hour game. This was closer to like a two-hour game, and I platted it. Now I followed a guide because I didn't want to fuck around. And not plat it. <laughs> Especially if I grew to not like it. I didn't like it. Um, you play as... And I say play loosely. Uh, John? I think? I don't even remember the man's name. Uh, he is the last surviving possible human on the planet. Uh, he's in a bunker. Sorry, ah, I dropped a hence bottle. Hence the name. He, yeah, he in bunker. So at, at some point in the past... Uh, there was some kind of, you know, nuclear missile uh, scenario, doomsday scenario happening to perhaps the entire Earth, perhaps not, but the fallout looked immense, so there's uh, a thousand or so people huddled up in this bunker, military and government personnel, and you're a little boy, you're like uh, one of the nurses there's son, uh, and then... Flash forward to, like, now, and he's, like, 40 or whatever. Uh-huh. And, uh, he's the only person left. Everybody else is dead. And he's stuck in his ways, and, like, it literally makes you do his routine, like, twice. Or three times. And it's just, like, it's just monotonous. Just do the thing, do the thing, do the thing. Okay. Next day. Do the thing, do the thing. And then, uh-oh, there's a problem. Gotta go replace the air filter. And then it looks like the entire, uh bunker is collapsing and you may have to uh, make your escape uh, your character is I guess like really like I guess like because his mom died when he was very young and he was left alone in this bunker without any real way to learn anything uh, he's kind of like dumb and simple Okay. Uh, as I guess you would expect Without 
super great education and just being alone and living in like basically a series of like rooms for his entire life never yeah. seeing the outside uh, now this concept in and of itself is actually fairly interesting to me uh, but the execution leaves a lot to be desired it's really relying on this one guy for most of the game and it's really relying on a big twist that it thinks is a big crazy twist that like seems pretty obvious from the outset to me uh, they show you flashbacks of his childhood that you have to, I guess, like, sort of play through, although it's really just like watching a cutscene. Yeah. Every now and then there's an interactable that you have to hit X on. Oh, great. Oh, oh boy. That's all this game ever is, just hitting X on a couple things. Every now and then you got to tap X a bunch to do a thing. But basically, like, they're showing you that, like, there's a lot of arguing between the higher-ups, and they're basically, like, saying that, like, oh, there's only enough food to last us for such and such a time with all these people that are here. Um, and uh, we only have, you know, the, the fallout, like we can't go get outside this bunker for like 20 to 30 years. So we're fucked. We have to remain in this bunker and we only have enough food for probably like two years at best. And like his mom kind of like is part of these conversations and overhears them. So you're like, you, you instantly assume that something happened and she killed everybody so that he would live. Oh. Um, and that's entirely what happens. Oops. Uh, the director guy, like, tried to stop her, but, like, didn't. <laughs> and uh, so the worst part of the game is when you get to the ending. Uh, ghosts start happening. What? Uh, and, and they're not real. It's probably just, like, him having a vision because he's, like, injured and delirious. You have to, like, get him through an injury. He has a bone sticking out of his hand and shit. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, you have to evade these ghosts. And then you, when you get to the door to exit the bunker, uh, your mom appears and said, you promised not to leave me. She's dead, by the way. Yeah. But, like, it's, like, a vision or a ghost or whatever have you. So you have to choose to stay in the bunker or leave. Um, and honestly, like, I don't, I don't know anyone that would choose to stay. Right. Because that means death. That's all that means. Yeah. Like, the, the stuff's getting in. Or maybe it doesn't mean death. Maybe the air isn't toxic. But either way, it's probably not the best. Uh, but if you choose to leave... It doesn't really show you what happens to John or anything. He just takes a big breath, and we don't know if he dies or not. Just leaves the bunker? He just leaves the bunker. That's it. Oh. So, like, there's no real resolution to the ending of the game. That's uh, here's the kicker. Gotta get both endings for the plat. In order to get both endings for the plat, you just gotta hit continue after you get one of the endings. So I got the stay ending. On purpose, because I wanted to see the leave one last, because I figured that'd be more interesting. It wasn't. Uh, so, like, then you have to, like, replay, like, the last ten minutes of the game and watch all the cutscenes again, and they're unskippable. Oh, God. Uh, in order to get the other ending. Um, it's fairly not well acted. Uh, there's lots of text and stuff you have to read through and audio cassettes you have to listen to, and, like, none of them are particularly interesting. It's all, like, you know... 
It feels like I'm playing, like, the rough draft of a game. Oh. Like, rather Oof. than the actual game itself. Like, That's there's not enough of an idea here. Like, the entire game is... He, you play through his routine twice, and that those take, like, one minute each. Then something goes wrong, and you have to fix something. Then you have to fix another thing because that's not entirely fixed. Then you have to escape the bunker, and then the game's over. The entire experience is, like, two hours long. Jesus. And, like, even if you're not using a guide... I only used a guide because there's collectibles, like the cassettes and uh, readable files that you have to interact with. Right. Other than that, there's no real need to have a guide. It's probably fairly simple. Um, there wasn't really any hard puzzles or anything. Uh, I really don't understand what the point of the game was. I think they thought they were being way more clever than they thought they were. But everything really felt half-cooked and without like really much merit. So don't recommend that. Yeah, sounds dumb. I will recommend this. It's a PS Plus game of the month, everybody. You can get it for free. It's a classic game about a, a dark and harrowing story. That's right. I'm talking about Sonic Forces. Will you recommend Sonic Forces? Yeah, I do, actually. What? I was trying to make a joke, because like, the other game that came out was Shadow of the Colossus this month, which I still haven't played, but I will. Um, look, let me, let me tell you something. Sonic Forces is also an extremely short game. Uh, and if I paid $60 for it, I would probably be mad at how much not content there is. But I didn't. I paid no money for it because it was PS Plus. So I guess I paid $10 for it. But like, you know, maybe $5 if you want to get really technical. Because you get two games a month. Uh, that game's fun. It's fine. It's really cheesy and stupid, but I was laughing the entire time at how stupid oh, it oh, is. Oh, so it's like the... So dumb that it's just hilarious. Oh my god, Justin. Like, like okay. They approach everything in the cutscenes like it's so fucking serious until Sonic opens his mouth. That's it. Like, <laughs> like Sonic gets, like, beat the shit out of in the opening of this game. Yeah. And kidnapped. And then that's why you have to create your own avatar. That's This is the one where you have to create your own... OC. Right. Uh, that That's such a funny experience, by the way. Every time you unlock a new item for it, I go, oh my god, I cannot believe it. Because, like, I unlocked Crocs. Uh, oh, so they went, like, the full meme. I unlocked a hat that says gamer. <laughs> <laughs> I unlocked the ability to appear like you have scales instead of fur. <laughs> They knew what the fuck they were doing. Oh, they did. They did, for sure. Uh, it's funny from the get-go, making your person, you switch between male and female, and the only difference is that the female one has eyelashes and has childbearing hips, and that's the only difference. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but it's so entertaining because the cutscenes are all bad. Uh, the acting is as you would expect for a Sonic the Hedgehog property. Um... And the scenario is, like, more serious than you would expect, but it, the, any chance it had of being edgy is immediately extinguished because Sonic is like, man, let's go get some chili dogs. 
Like, the scenario is that Sonic failed, and Eggman took over the entire planet. It's like an Endgame-esque scenario, where, like, Thanos won, (laughs) and Sonic is kidnapped, and they literally go out of their way to say that he's being tortured by Eggman, so I'm like, what the fuck? Are they, like, waterboarding Sonic the Hedgehog? What are you talking about right now? But then you go and rescue him, and it's fine. But, like, the, like Knuckles and everybody, like, refers to this as a war. And, like, we've lost so much already. <laughs> it's like, how serious are you being about the fucking furry animals game? Oh, <laughs> my God. It's amazing. Um, and the music is as cringy as you would expect. A lot of good tracks, but then, like, whenever, like, a song with vocals appears, it's, like, the funniest goddamn thing in the world. <laughs> um... And I enjoy that the Avatar has kind of different gameplay than actually playing as Sonic, or uh, Classic Sonic's in this game, too. Yeah. It's canon with Generations. Classic Sonic just shows up in this game from another dimension. Amazing. <laughs> um, and uh, in the cutscene where it, that happens, Tails, like, puts forth this theory that there is a higher power, and that maybe, like, the universe corrected itself because Sonic was gone. To make it so that Sonic was here. Putting forth the theory of there will always be a Sonic the Hedgehog. (laughs) Because you see, Justin, Sonic isn't just a hedgehog. Sonic is a symbol. And his legacy is not just that of Sonic the Hedgehog, but of any hedgehog who decides to take his moniker. And it's with this that we'll transition... (laughs) Into the Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> I suppose. Unless you had anything else you wanted to talk about today. Guzbo. No, I'm good, dude. Let's go it. Let's get right into it. <sighs> yep. Here we are. Yep. We're at the plane scene. Yep. The movie. Yep. The plane scene and it's in its uh two hour long post credit sequence. Um, yes. So, 2012 film, The Dark Knight Rises. Christopher Nolan's final film in the Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, now, Nolan was initially hesitant about returning. Uh, probably felt like he couldn't top what he just did. Especially with Ledger being gone. Yeah, it's probably hard to make that decision immediately. Right. Nolan believed he had to be emotionally invested in what he was making, and not just making a third one because it was expected, which I respect. Yeah, I respect Uh, that. His quote, On a more superficial level, I have to ask the question, how many good third movies in a franchise can people name? He's he's correct. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Like, let's just think about the the modern history of superhero films up to that point. Spider-Man 3. Yep, not good. X-Men 3. Not good. <laughs> no. So after pondering a third film for a Batman few years... Batman Forever? Oh, uh, Batman Forever. And may, and uh, he made the film Inception in the meantime. Yeah. Uh, good movie. Great movie. Also like kind of doesn't make any sense under the smallest bit of scrutiny, just like this movie. That's almost a Nolan trademark at this point. Yeah. Uh, it's happening. So, Nolan decides he finally cracked the story... He would want to explore in early 2010, 
uh, saying, quote, The key thing that makes the third film a great possibility for us is that we want to finish our story. Rather than infinitely blowing up the balloon and expanding the story, unlike the comics, these things don't go on forever in film, and viewing it as a story with an end is useful, viewing it as an ending that sets you very much on the right track about the appropriate conclusion. It was then announced that David S. Goyer and Jonathan Nolan would be writing the script. However, Goyer would leave the project early to begin work on Man of Steel. This left only Jonathan to write the first script, uh, which Christopher said was 400 pages long initially. Jesus Christ. Uh, The Nolans then worked together on refining the script as they did with the previous film, The Dark Knight. Uh, This is your first... Uh, not good thing to me, personally. I don't know if we're going to piss people off by saying this movie isn't that great. Uh-huh. Or not. I, it's good. No. But it's also really dumb. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even go as far as to say it's good, it's just okay. <sighs> I'm curious where this is going to land. <laughs> like, I have no clue. I don't know what we're going to say. Um, Like, I don't know. Just like, Goyer seemed to do a good job collaborating with Nolan on Batman Begins. Yeah. And this one bringing back multiple aspects of Batman Begins, having Goyer back seemed like a good bet. Yeah, it seems so like a great idea. So that conclude a lot of those arcs. Right. But then he doesn't do it, and you got the Nolans, and just the Nolans. And I wonder if there wasn't a whole lot of, like, saying no to any ideas, because you just have two brothers working on it, and maybe they're on the same wavelength. So there's no, like, creative disagreements. I'm just casually wondering this. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? So anyway, Warner Brothers wanted the Riddler to be the villain. As they deemed him similar to the Joker, a character who obviously brought them a lot of success with the previous film. Uh, they wanted Leonardo DiCaprio to play the part. And that would have been fucking weird. That would have been weird. <laughs> However, Nolan went against their wishes and instead chose Bane to be the main villain. Uh, Nolan wanted a different kind of villain than the Joker, someone that presented a mental and physical challenge for Batman. Uh, Nolan differentiated the characters further. Quote, The Joker is diabolical, chaotic anarchy and has a devilish sense of humor. Bane is a classic movie monster with a terrific brain. So the key comics that inspired this plot yeah. came from Nightfall, which yeah. is Bane's first appearance. The big one, back this is your shit. big storyline where Batman gets his back broken by Bane, the big guy. For you. Mm-hmm. Uh, no Man's Land, which is a storyline where Gotham is cut off from the rest of the world and overrun with criminals. That happens in this movie. Yep. Uh, the Dark Knight Returns, of course, where... Obviously, Batman returns after a long retirement. All of these are combined and altered and remixed in a way to form the storyline of this movie. But also, Nolan cited a key inspiration being Charles Dickens' 1859 novel, A Tale of Two Cities. That is weird. Uh, In fact, Gordon's eulogy for Batman, spoilers, at the end of the movie is actually directly quoted from this book. Yeah, okay. Uh, It's it's a weird, uh, weird source of inspiration, but it is about the French Revolution. 
So I kind of get it. Yeah. Bane is a bit of a, although he is the villain, uh, revolutionary. Yeah. Uh, and there's certain, like, certain interesting ways to look at this movie. I think it hasn't aged well in its political messaging, necessarily. Well, I think, uh, well, the <laughs> one thing I don't really like about that whole plot thing with Bane is, uh, it all kind of ends up just kind of just being cheap. Yeah. Because in the end, you know, they're just servicing the League of Shadows. Yeah. And they're then they're literally just trying to destroy Gotham, not actually cause a real revolution. It would have been more interesting if it was more of a, like, you know... Like Bane thinks he's actually doing something good. The Joker is clearly better in that aspect. Because right. he doesn't want to destroy Gotham, he wants to change it completely into something that more resembles what he is like. Yeah. Chaos. Which is easier to understand than... Bane just wanting to blow it up because it's bad, but becoming a terrible, terrible, terrible bad person to do it. That's the key, like, stupid contradiction of the League of Shadows. Is that, like, this place is bad, so we will destroy it because we are good. But then they are being bad by doing that. Just in general, just, like... (laughs) At least Bane is just, like, a really shitty dude. Yeah. (laughs) He, like, just kills his followers all the time for no fucking reason. Yes. Bane's a piece of shit. Well, because he's, like, so committed to the cause. Yeah. He's I guess, the best part about this movie. Oh, absolutely. I'll say. Tom Hardy's performance Tom is Tom Hardy great. good, no matter what. Yeah. Like, even in a movie that, like, should be, by all rights, a piece of shit. Venom? Mm. <laughs> even then. That was great. He, like, elevates it to, like, uh, it's not bad. <coughs> this is a great romantic comedy. Um, mm-hmm. Between Tom <laughs> Hardy and a bunch of black goo. <laughs> so, anyway, Nolan uh, dismissed rumors... Uh, that he would be using uh, unused footage of Heath Ledger as the Joker in the film and confirmed that the character would not appear in any way. The character is never mentioned once in the film, uh, despite being responsible for what happened to Harvey Dent, and that is brought up a lot. That's a big plot point. They reference the past events of the Dark Knight quite a bit. Yeah. But not to that degree. No, they just don't I mention I understand why. Yeah, I understand why, too. But, like... And I understand why the Joker's not in it, because obviously, but it it helps it... It it doesn't help it feel complete. Yeah. A lot of aspects of Batman Begins are reintroduced into this movie, but a lot of elements from The Dark Knight are not. Yeah, well, and that's just, like, an unfortunate reality. It felt more complete as a trilogy, but it doesn't as a result. Yeah, and it's not, you know, anyone's fault. No. Like... It's not. What were you supposed to do? There's not a lot you could do. That I I won't blame him for. It's just, like... What are you supposed to do without Heath Ledger? So, uh, your returning actors, Christian Bale, yep. Michael Caine, Gary Oldman, Morgan Freeman, uh, also Cillian Murphy, back as the Scarecrow, and Liam Neeson as Ra's al Ghul in a yes. brief, brief, brief cameo, which we'll probably get to and complain about. Yeah. Uh, Christian Bale, for his part, uh, stated that although it was bittersweet to leave this franchise, this would be definitively... His final appearance as Batman, uh, no matter what Warner Brothers said. That's good. Because <laughs> they certainly asked him. No, oh, I'm sure. Uh, he was like, no. You got Nolan on that shit? No. I- I'm good then. Zack Snyder? I don't, <laughs> I don't think so, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, man. But what about our new actors? Well, we were just talking about Tom Hardy as Bane. Bane. 
You know Tom Hardy. He's from such hit films as Bronson and Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. And Venom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hardy gained 30 pounds for the role to get his weight up to 200 pounds. He he became a big guy for you. Sweet, dude. <laughs> so in an attempt to make the character more menacing than the previous uh, terrible Joel Schumacher interpretation of the character, Hardy developed a voice that would contradict his body. Uh, Hardy based this voice on many things, including Irish bare-knuckle fighter Bartley Gorman and the character's comic heritage, which is a South American country, but it is a fictional one, Santa Prisca. That's okay. not a real place. Nope. That's like a Gotham or Metropolis. or DC likes to use their fake cities. Yeah. So Bane is from a fake-ass city that doesn't exist. Now, I would like to discuss this briefly, though. Bane is supposed to be a South American character. However, he is being played by a white man. Yep. And I know it's a fictional character, so I care about this kind of shit less. But, I don't know. I feel like we've... We're not gonna get an interpretation of the character that's from the roots that he should be. Because now all anybody thinks of is Tom Hardy, which admittedly he gave a really good performance, but it's a completely different version of the character than the like, you know, you think Luchador when you think Bane, and that was on purpose. And I kind of miss that aspect a little bit. I like Bane a lot as a character, and I do like this interpretation, but I think it fails to include a lot of the parts of the character that I really like. If you're comparing it to, like, the Heath Ledger Joker, I think that did a much better job in being bringing it to the next level while still being very faithful to what that character represents and is. Yeah. What do you think about this? I mean, it's kind of difficult, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, as far as, like, the white guy portraying, like, the South American thing, like, I get that. And, uh... He isn't. He's, like... But it it does feel like the role could have went to someone... Yeah, I feel like... that heritage. It probably should have, yeah. It probably should have, but uh, no. Big thing is like I don't know how. Big thing for you. Yeah, I don't know how you pull a lot of uh, what Bane is in the comics off in movies. You don't, but I think it's a little difficult, and like especially for what Nolan's trilogy is. I think being able to pull off Joker the way that they did is a lot more plausible than, like, having a giant dude with the Lichador mask and, like, like Venom pumping through his veins. Yeah. To, like, well, I didn't expect Batman. that, but, like, what's Tom Hardy doing in this fucking possibly Middle Eastern prison at, in the first place? Who knows? <laughs> I, I don't know, dude. That movie doesn't tell us. No. So, anyway, other new characters. Anne Hathaway... From, you know, everything. Princess Diaries, Rachel getting married. She's good in that movie. Les Mis. Uh, as your new Catwoman. Uh, although the movie goes out of its way to never call her Catwoman. Nope, not once. Not once. That's a bridge too far. Apparently you can use Batman. The Batman. The Batman. Uh, as much as you want. As much as you want. But Catwoman? Do you oh, think that's, that's, do you think that's just scars that's left over from the movie? From the Catwoman movie? Yeah. Yes, I do. I think so, too, um, yeah. I, I, w- I would like to discuss Anne Hathaway a little bit. I don't like her in this movie. Nope, me neither. I, I don't think she's good. I, I 
it kind of hurts to say because, like, admittedly, she is way better than Halle Berry was at playing this character. Oh, and by so, like, that a movie mile. was a train wreck, and I don't blame Halle Berry for it necessarily. I I do think that they could have did more interesting things with Catwoman. As it stands in the plot of this movie, she is irrelevant. Yeah. And could have been removed entirely to make the entire focus of the movie be on Batman versus Bane, which it is anyway. Like, God, I forgot she was in it at one point. Yeah. Like, before watching this, like, when I think casually about The Dark Knight Rises, I'm going to think about Bane. I'm going to think about scenes involving Bane. I don't know one thing that Catwoman does that is super memorable and cool in this movie. Well, they did. They tried to do the thing that uh, they did in the other movies, where it was you have, like, one villain and then also a, a villain on the side. Yes. And, like, just like in, you know, I've in Begins, you have Brazzagul and She doesn't even come Scarecrow. close to representing the threat that he does, though. No, she doesn't re- represent any actual threat to Batman. No. and she just stole I his shit. I certainly don't buy the romance angle that they insert at the 11th hour uh, for no reason. I mean, they were, like, kind of flirting earlier in the movie, but not like that. Yeah, but, like... And she just randomly, like, run away with me when in no reason... There's no, like, motivation for her to say that. Bruce is clearly becoming romantically entangled with another person in that movie. And then then, that's not even believable. No, it sucks. But then, so that twist happens, and then that, like... Like, they both happen right next to each other, which makes none of it work at all. It just feels like Batman is making these decisions because someone has written written down this decision for him to make. Right. As opposed to it being organic and an actual decision. Like... The actual ending of his character spending the rest of his life with Selina Kyle, a character we just met and know literally nothing about, feels wrong somehow. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I don't <coughs> particularly like that, this element of the film. Felt like they just needed a female character for their own marketing purposes so that Catwoman is in the movie. So that there is a Catwoman. And they could sell toys and shit. And they could... You know, I'm sure it was a Nolan idea. To like, hey, we want Catwoman. I could see that being a thing. I guess he certainly likes working with Anne Hathaway. She's in a lot. Of yeah, that movies. and like Catwoman's like super important to Batman. She is, but I really wish they worked it out a different way. I agree. Anyway, and then Marion Cotillard is your other female new character. You know, from Big Fish and in Inception, where she's also misused by Christopher Nolan. <laughs> he uses her a lot. But, like, never well. She's a really good actress. But, like, what the she's fuck? She's great in Big Fish. She's great in a lot of things. Uh, this is Miranda Tate. Yep. But as we'll get to the twist, this is Talia al Ghul, Actually. Which is just... Another 11th hour dumb uh... twist decision that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. <coughs> and sucks. I don't, and don't like it. And I really don't like it. We'll bitch about it later. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in this movie. One of the only other characters I like in this movie. You know him. He's from 500 Days of Summer, Looper, and Don John, and other stuff. And he's kind of disappeared from film as of late. He's going to be in that movie about the Chicago 7. Yeah, this he's year. been doing like his own his own thing, and, like producing yeah. his own content and stuff. Yeah, so. for him. Uh, this is John Blake. Although, you know that's not his actual first name, just B. No. You know what his first name is? It's Robin. Oh, 
Let's talk about some really minor characters, Jusby. We got Matthew Modine from Full Metal Jacket. He plays Joker in that, but not the Joker, but a character yeah, but named he's, Joker. Right, right. Uh, he's also in Stranger Things and Weeds. This is him as Peter Foley, Gordon's second in command. And you know what his most iconic line is? Somebody get this hothead out of here! Don't ever forget that guy. We got Ben Mendelsohn as John Daggett. Ben Mendelsohn was the villain in Rogue One. He is the Skrull guy in the MCU. I like Ben Mendelsohn a lot. Uh, he doesn't really do a whole lot in this movie, but he's the corrupt Wayne Industries dumbass who uh, works with Bane, but ultimately gets big guyed to death. Um, and his second in command is uh, Burn Gorman as Philip Striver. Uh, you may know him from... <coughs> Game of Thrones and Pacific Rim. This is Daggett's cohort who betrays him, but ultimately gets exiled uh, to death. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the plane scene. Yeah, in a minute here anyway. It's coming. So let's introduce our major players in that scene and only that scene. You got Tom Hardy, of course, as Bane, the big guy for you. Right. You got Josh Stewart. This is Bane's right hand man. Uh, that character's name is Barsad. <laughs> but you may know him as the mask at the man yeah on uh you know any website that you're on that posts Bane memes Alan Abutbul he is from uh, such movies as Rambo 3 <laughs> and London has fallen I remember seeing trailers for that movie and I was going like oh my god it's Dr. Pop <laughs> <laughs> I can't see him as anybody else except Dr. Pavel because, you know. Uh, and then, of course, your star, Aiden Gillen himself from Game of Thrones and The Wire and a billion other things where he plays the same character <laughs> as CIA. Now, he does have a name. Um, it is not CIA. You know, contrary to popular belief, his name, his birth given name, is not actually Central Intelligence Agency. Are you sure? <laughs> his name is Bill Wilson, which is funny in and of itself. Uh, so that's in the novelization. His name is CIA agent Bill Williams. Bill Wilson. Uh huh. What is Bill short for? What? what? What's Bill short for? Bob? What the fuck? Why would it be Bill short Bob? for a shorter thing? Oh, no, no. Oh, okay, hold on. What's Bill Robert. short for? No, not Robert. It's short for William. William, that's it. I'm sorry, but I'm not good at that. The man's name is William Wilson. It's Will Will. Will Will. <laughs> Doesn't that suck? I'm glad. I'll just call him CIA. So, <laughs> so anyway. Uh, it's, it's 20... When did Avatar come out? Like, a year after Dark Knight? Like, 2009? Yeah. So that's, like, your start of, like, 3D becoming super popular. Yep, yep, it's around so that time, by yeah. the time this one's about to come out, it's highly expected for this movie coming out close to the Avengers uh, to be in 3D like every other major blockbuster motion picture of the era. I mean, it's still kind of going today, but it's not as prevalent. I think... Mostly, it's mostly gone. <sighs> yeah. It was a, a big trend, though. It is a fat. It, it died off. It's so dying Nolan, off like everything else. Controversially, at least according to probably studio executives, chose not to film in 3D, which was growing in popularity, but uh, rather more prominently in 
IMAX. Uh, around an hour of the film's runtime is shot in IMAX. Uh, compare that to the 28 minutes in The Dark Knight. Dialogue can't be shot well in IMAX uh, due to the immense sound the cameras emit. Remember this for later when we talk about the plane scene. Uh, so Nolan pushes for this format hard. In fact, uh, he invited several famous directors, including uh, Michael Bay, Brian Singer, John Favreau, Eli Roth, Duncan Jones, Stephen Daldry, and Edgar Wright, uh, to a private screening of The Plane Scene. <laughs> Oh, God. Of the film, before it was released, to try and convince them of the format's value, IMAX's value. Yeah. Uh, this is the quote from Nolan about IMAX and what he was trying to do here. I wanted to give them a chance to see the potential, because I think IMAX is the best film format that was ever invented. It's the gold standard in what any other technology has to match up to, but none have, in my opinion. The message I wanted to put out there was that no one is taking anyone's digital cameras away. But if we want film to continue as an option, and someone is working on a big studio movie with the resources and the power to insist on film, they should say so. I felt as if I didn't say anything. I felt as if I didn't say anything, and then we started to lose that option. It would be a shame. When I look at a digitally acquired and projected image, it looks inferior against an original negative anamorphic print or an IMAX one. So, I mean, I don't know. Pretentious as the man can be sometimes. I appreciate this endeavor greatly because as soon as George Lucas flopped his dick on the table and said we're shooting Attack of the Clones on digital, that's been the norm uh, yeah, and movie theaters have had to update and go to showing things on digital. Had to remove projectors from their theaters. This has caused a lot of theaters to shut down, and not a lot of things are shot on film anymore unless the director is super old school about it. They gotta have that like Jack White mentality where they're like, "I'm gonna shoot this on film, yeah, no matter what anybody says, because I think that's cool." You know, your guys like Quentin Tarantino and shit like that. Um, so, I don't know. I kind of like this because this is a good middle ground. IMAX have. is a really excellent format. Yeah. It's a good middle ground to have where you're like, look, IMAX is the future, but digital doesn't have to be. Like You can still film on IMAX film, and it'll look great. And I think The Dark Knight Rises looks really fucking good. Yeah. That's one of its strengths, for sure. Cinematography-wise, this movie, great. Plot-wise, <laughs> maybe not so much. So, uh, I don't know. Just, uh, I think the rest of this I could probably just say later on. Let's talk about the most important scene in the movie, Jusby. Hold on a second, let me, let me get ready. <laughs> If you want to get the actual opening of the film out of the way in, like, ten seconds, it's not the plane scene. Yeah. It's Gordon just saying, I remember Harvey Dent, he good man, and that's it. Right. And it's then him, we get plane scene. It's him almost pulling a script out that he wrote that tells the truth about Harvey Dent, but he puts it back. Mm-hmm. 
because he doesn't no, that think happens they're ready for after. it. Is that after? There are two separate Oh, Jesus times. Christ. Sorry, I mixed them Jordan up. Because... Is, well, you combine them into one because that's what they should have done. Right. But yeah, this is more like Gordon, I think, at the end so he's like, of I the be- Dark Knight. Right, he's like, I believed in this Harvey is Dent. Way, this is the seven years ago. Right. The next time we see Gordon, it's the seven years later. That's right. That's that's how I interpret it. Right. Okay, cool. So, here we are. Look, if I just want to get your timeline straight here. Okay. Okay? Go ahead. Go ahead. This scene came out early. Yes, in because IMAX. Because he did the thing that he did for The Dark Knight where he attached it to an upcoming film. This was attached to Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Right. And everyone saw this scene then. Not everyone, but eventually everyone because it leaked the fuck online. Yep, that's how I saw because it. Because people were cited for this shit. So many critics, keep in mind, the scene initially comes out. Many critics are like, it's good, but I can't understand a fucking thing that Tom Hardy is saying. And eventually, in the final version, it sounds very different. I don't know if you've ever watched the original I have. Scene. I remember when it happened. It's impossible to understand what he's saying. It sounds like it sounds like garbled. It's very garbled. Yeah. I don't I cannot imagine. So maybe that contributed to people thinking this scene was fine initially. Because well maybe it was just a mistake and I thought I heard Bane say something else. Um, it has been suggested as well. I want to point out that maybe even most of Hardy's dialogue has been overdubbed for this film. It's unclear if that's the case. They kept this one pretty close to their chest, but if I had to guess, if they released this in theaters, they thought it was the finished version of the plane scene and that this was the finalized version of his dialogue and then everybody complained about it. Yep, and they were like, oh shit. And then they were like, oh shit, we have to overdub the entire film. And there is a lot of points where it looks like it's hard to tell, and they get away with this really well because you can't see his mouth. All of I, all of Tom Hardy's lines are overdubbed. Yeah, I guarantee it. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> That's the history of the plane scene until it comes out, and then it has a different history. <laughs> sure does. <laughs> We're gonna talk about this more than like any scene we've ever talked about, probably. Yep. Because oh boy. Are you are you ready to get hurt? Uh-huh. Land cruiser jostling over uneven terrain. Day. <laughs> Three hooded men guarded by East European militia. A third militia drives. Next to him is a nervous, bespectacled man. Airstrip, Eastern Europe. Day. An airstrip overlooking a gray city rocked by artillery fire. A bland CIA operative <laughs> flanked by special forces men stands in front of a commuter plane. CIA man. Watches the land cruiser pull up hard. This doesn't sound like a real script anymore, Josby. The militia men jump out of the vehicle. The CIA driver shoves. That's what it says. The, 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 I, I've looked up the script. The, the driver shows the bespectacled man in front of the CIA man. Dr. Pavel, I'm CIA. So, That's all right. First of all, uh-huh. let's stop right there. Let's pause. Okay, sure. Okay, let's pause right here. Yeah, all right. Right away. Giggle-worthy shit. That line's fucking hilarious. I'm CIA. Right. So, like, is he, like, the entire Central Intelligence Agency? No, Jusby. Or his... Was he... What, did he pop out of the woomy womb and then his mom was like, oh, CIA. <laughs> My baby. 
He's a member of the CIA. It's common to just say, I'm CIA when you're CIA, right? No, usually they go like, Will Will, CIA. I'm with, I'm with the CIA. Yeah. Or they showed a badge. Will Will, CIA. Well, see, okay. Something like that. Like, I'm Detective Will, CIA. Detective Agent would be a... Would be Agent, yeah. yes. Yeah, be Agent Will, CIA. The problem with this scene, and a lot of scenes in The Dark Knight Rises, is I felt like they wrote it with more words, and they wanted it snappier. Yeah. Quicker. Good pacing. And they just deleted words. That's what it, that's what it feels like. Like, I'm, I'm going to keep reading the entire script for the plane scene. Why say many word when single word do trick? <laughs> Here we go. Dr. Pavel nods, nervous. Mm-hmm. CIA man hands the driver a briefcase. Mm-hmm. Here comes Barsad. Yes. Barsad. He wasn't alone. CIA man, confused, spots the hooded men. There's hooded men there. Yes. He turns to Dr. Pavel. CIA man, you don't get to bring friends. Dr. Pavel, they are not my friends. Barsad. Don't worry, no charge for them. So now we get kind of the implication that, like, He's paying Barsad to like bring to, for he paid Barsad for these people to bring yes. to bring Doctor Pavel is what it was right. Yes, which sounds well, like a pretty illegal CIA operation. As, well, yes, it is. He's kind of doing this for his own. CIA's doing this for they his own game. Pavel because of blah 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 nuclear blah blah blah. Right, I get it. Yeah, I don't get it the first time I watched this, but I get it now. Right. Yeah. CIA, man. Why would I want them? Bar set. They were trying to grab your prize. Smiles. They work for the mercenary. The masked man. CIA, man. Excited. (laughs) 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 Oh, no. Here comes Bane. Excited? It says excited. It says excited in the script. Oh, holy shit. Oh, I believe now. I believe they meant it now. Yep. Oh, no. Oh, keep going. <laughs> Barsat nods. CIA man turns to the special forces men. CIA man, get them on board. I'll call it in. Skies over mountain range. Day. Mm-hmm. The computer plane struggles over snow-capped mountains. The three hooded men kneel by the cargo door, handcuffed. CIA man grabs hooded man one. CIA man, what are you doing in the middle of my operation? Hooded man one says nothing. CIA man pulls out a handgun. CIA man, the flight plan I just filed with the agency lists me, my men, and Dr. Pavel here, but only one of you. CIA man opens the cargo door. Special forces hang hooded man one out of the howling wind. CIA man shouts above the wind. All caps, CIA man. First one to talk gets to stay on my aircraft. Cock's weapon. So, who paid you to grab Dr. Pavel? Nothing. CIA man fires out the open door. The special forces yank Hooded Man 1 back in, clubbing him quiet. CIA man. He didn't fly so good. Who wants to fly next? Who wants to try next, sorry. Who wants to try next? <laughs> Who wants to fly next would have been better. That would have been hilarious. Been, that is stupid. Instead of to throw him out the window. I don't understand what he's doing here, by the way. Uh, like, okay, obviously they're going to die anyway, so what the fuck yeah, are they Yeah, like, I... 
Bane is right. Why would you shoot a man before throwing him out of a plane? Right. Like, this man is an idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Clearly. He, CIA is dumb. Yeah. You can tell from the way he said Bane. Oh, Bane. <laughs> it's so funny. All right. I can't believe it says excited. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, my God. The soldiers grab Hooded Man, too. Then hang him out the door. Mm-hmm. CAA man, tell me about Bane. Why does he wear the mask? The prisoner says nothing. CAA man presses the gun to the man's hood. He cocks the gun. Nothing. CAA man, lot of loyalty for a hired gun. <laughs> See, the reason he's shouting is because IMAX cameras are loud. How I-, <laughs> I don't know, but they shot this on IMAX, and it's literally a thing that you avoid shooting stuff on IMAX, at least at this period of time, because the cameras loud. are loud. Yeah. So you have to overdub all of the dialogue. So probably a portion of this dialogue has been dubbed in, by the way. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, maybe that's why they have this loud... Obnoxious shouting scene. Maybe? <laughs> maybe. I don't know. And then you get third prisoner. Uh huh. Or Bane. Ma- yes. We know who it is. I-, I can't do a good Bane voice. Let me do it. You want to do here? Yeah, dude. Yeah, here, here, Pass wanna, me that You want to take over the script? Yeah, dude. Here you oh, go. Dude, I'll Your do the turn. second half. Where are we at here? Where, where are the blah, 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 blah. Third prisoner. Or he's wondering why someone would shoot a man before throwing him out of an aeroplane. Ooh, the original dialogue is way different. Yeah. Mm, CIA man turns to the third prisoner, shuts the cargo door. CIA man, wise guy, huh? At least you can talk. Who are you? (laughs) We are nothing. We are the dirt beneath your feet. And no one cared who I was until I put on the mask. CIA man, wary, approaches the third prisoner, pulls off his hood, revealing a dark mask with a breathing apparatus. The eyes behind it are cold. Still, this is Bane. (laughs) (laughs) This is Bane. Who we are does not matter. What matters is our plan. I'm thinking about like like a like a greatest hit single CD that just says this is Bane. <laughs> this is Bane. <laughs> Top 40 hits. <laughs> CIA man fascinated. <laughs> if I pull that off will you die? It says this off. The in- see okay, we're at the scene. We are at the line. Yeah. There have been subtle changes in the dialogue from what I'm reading. This must be the original script. It's possible, yeah. This line is unaltered and has been in the script from day 1. Jesus Christ. If I pull that off, will you die? It would be extremely painful. You're a big guy for you. Same. It's the same thing. Can so- we do you want to take a minute to talk about what what this yeah. Why this became a thing. Right. Yeah, let's let's do it. So, so let's talk about how you write dialogue. Yeah. You got an A line, you got a B line, you got a C line there, right? Right. Your A line is if I pull that off, will you die? Now you're gonna have another guy come in to say the B line, because that's how dialogue works. That's Bane saying it would be extremely painful. It's a response to the A line. Your C line is CIA saying you're a big guy. That's a response 
to it would be extremely painful, your B line. But then your D line is not a response to that C line. It's a response to that B line. He was just interrupted by CIA. However, putting in the you're a big guy line ruins the entire thing. Yes. Because it implies stuff that they didn't necessarily want to imply. But the whole point of the meme of Bane posting is... Or did they? Right. <laughs> and that, and therein lies the entire thing. Like, let me just, like... I, did we already talk about this in a previous episode? I'll talk about it anyway again, just because we're on this scene. Yes. An example of how to write this correctly is actually in Batman Begins. Right. It's the scene where Bruce, early on in the film, uh, is attacking people who are about to attack him when he's uh, in, uh, you know, undisclosed country. Yeah. Um, and he attacks some people and he gets started to carry away by guards and they say uh, we're going to put you in solitary or something like that yeah uh, and Bruce says oh yeah no they say we're going to put you away we're going to put you in protection is what they say and then Bruce says what do you mean I don't need any protection and then the third line is they gesture to the fucking other, the guys Bruce just beat up and said, protection for them. So this is a similar line where, like, similar scenario, right? Yeah. It's very similar. And it's written way better in Batman Begins than it is here because clearly the same intent of, no, you are mistaken, I meant this, is in both. But the Bane one is pulled off so terribly <laughs> that there's no contradiction necessarily Yeah, that Bane thinks, you know, he is the big guy for CIA. <laughs> so continuing with the script, I suppose. Yes. CIA man. I'm so fucking happy he's called CIA it's man so funny. in the script. Unnerved. Was being caught part of your plan? Bane. Of course! Dr. Pavel refused our offer in favor of yours. We had to know what he told you about us. Dr. Pavel. Nothing! I said nothing! CIA man. Why not just ask him? Bane. He would not have told us. CIA man. You have methods. Bane. Him, I need healthy. You will present no such problem. Ooh, they shouldn't have cut this out of the movie. This is good. Yeah. They cut that exchange out of the movie. I believe as soon as he says, crashing this plane. Well, he doesn't say crashing this plane yet. No, not yet. Well, when he says, was getting caught part of your plan, of course, it cuts away and cuts this part out of the movie. That's what Right, yeah. CIA man laughs for the special, special forces benefit. A heavy bass tone is rising. They put the score in the movie, uh, in script. <laughs> it's amazing. The sergeant looks out the window. Oh no, they're 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 talking about the other plane. But the plane coming Never in. Mind. Okay, yeah, yeah. Exterior skies over mountain range continuous. The commuter plane is dwarfed by a massive transport plane looming over it, dangerously close. Interior main cabin commuter plane continuous. The plane lurches. The noise is building. Jerry Mayman. I don't know who this is, sir. <laughs> CIA. Well, congratulations. You got yourself caught. <laughs> What's the next step of your master plan? Bane. Crashing this plane. 
Exterior mountains continuous. The ramp of the transport opens. Four men leap out on tethers, dropping towards the commuter plane to each side. Back in the main cabin, the special forces react to the turbulence from the plane above. CIA man looks at Bane. Bane, rising. Get it? With no survivors! A special forces soldier spins around. An armed man is outside the window. Bang! Back in the skies over the mountain range, two men shoot through the windows. The other two attach grapples to the fuselage. Give the thumbs up. (laughs) Hoist start to pull, and the tail of the commuter plane is lifted unnaturally. Back in the plane, the pilots battle the controls as the plane tilts forward in the main cabin. Like lightning, Bane asks the CIA man, is his handcuffed arms, legs wrapped around a seat back? The entire cabin upends, tumbling chaos, soldiers falling. Bane cracks CIA man's neck and drops him onto the sergeant. They tumble down the plane, smashing into the cockpit door with a terminal thud. Dr. Pavel, strapped in, pushes against the seat in front of him. The plane vibrates, trying to tear itself apart. Uh, in the mountains. The men climb the tail of the smaller plane as it dangles helplessly above the mountains, its wings shear off. Back in the plane, Bane breaks his handcuffs as if they were plastic, then opens his legs and drops down the cabin, somersaulting gracefully and using his arms to stop himself halfway down by Dr. Pavel. The men attach explosives to the tail, then jump away, swinging out as the tail explodes. An explosion takes off the rear doors of the cabin. The armed men drop through the smoke on cables. A body bag is lowered into the cabin. Bane lies it on the seats, backs next to Dr. Pavel, and unzips it to reveal a body. The same age and build as Dr. Pavel. That, we do not see this detail, do we? Yeah, we do. Do we? We see Bane rips Dr. Pavel's sleeve, pulls out a length of surgical tubing, pushes a needle into Dr. Pavel's arm, runs the tube to the body's arm. Dr. Pavel watches, horrified, as Bane starts compressions on the body's chest, drawing Dr. Pavel's blood across the tube and into the body. An armed man pulls Hooded Man 1 up through the cabin and out. Bane stops Hooded Man 2. Friend, they expect one of us in the wreckage. Uh, They changed this line to, No, they expect one of us in the wreckage, brother. Right. (laughs) Leading uh, Bane posting people to call this character wreckage, brother. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The man nods, unhooks himself, takes Bane's arm. Have we started the fire? Bane nods. The fire rises! Hooded Man 2 hands Bane his line. Bane clips it around Dr. Pavel, takes out a knife, and cuts Dr. Pavel's seatbelt. Dr. Pavel panics, flails. Bane takes his arms. Gentle. (laughs) Bane, calm, Doctor. Now is not the time for fear. Bane slides Dr. Pavel out of his seat. They hang in the vertical, windblown cabin. Bane takes out a detonator. That comes later. Bane presses the detonator. The cabin drops from around them, revealing the terrifying drop to the peaks below. Dr. Pavel screams as they are hoisted up towards the transport. And that's where it ends. That's the plane scene. Yeah. Oh my god, so where did you get this? This is on Genius.com? Yeah. Yeah. This is on Genius.com? Yep. The written by is listed as Bravo Nolan. Okay, that was fun. So that's the plane scene, everybody. Yep. See, tune in next week to see. All right, but like, okay. So why did we talk about that in great detail, Justin? Wait, what's up? Why did we read the whole thing? Oh, because it's a great meme. Oh, all right, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so why doesn't that scene work? 
oh, there's like a there's a whole lot mm-hmm. going on. I feel like we kind of like addressed a lot of them. Yeah, we addressed we a lot of the issues. Out. It just uh, moves too fast. The dialogue doesn't explain not much clear, of what's going on. Yeah, not yeah. A clear sense of what is actually happening. Yeah, and the dialogue doesn't help it because it makes it sound like something else is happening. <laughs> yeah, that became a meme. Let's talk about the actual movie now, Justin. What? Are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> Just a little bit. Can I have some movie as a treat? All right. Here's a. Uh, let's get some. Let's get some background here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has been eight years since the death of Harvey Dent. Yes. When he ba- two-faced. Mm-hmm. Oof. Batman is all but disappeared. Yeah. After being uh, after being accused for Dent's death. Yeah. We have Bruce Wayne who has given up the cow and just instead decides to live in solitude. Given up on life entirely, just living in nowhere. Yeah, know? just just hanging out in the in the mansion by him, his new house by himself. Yeah. I, it is nice to see the continuity that they uh they did rebuild Wayne Mansion. Yeah, they they finished great. rebuilding yeah. it, yep. Yeah. It was in progress in the dark night. Yeah. And it finally gets finished here. That's why we get to see the Batcave again and other locations that we didn't see before. Right. So, then we have uh, we have Commissioner Gordon outside Wayne Manor giving a speech on Harvey Dent Day. The anniversary of Harvey Dent's death. They've made it a national holiday. <coughs> that is weird. It's really weird. I don't yeah. like that at all. They're treating it like it's like fucking like a tragedy, like nine eleven, that like one dude died. Like I mean, I get it, but I don't at the same time. Yeah, he talks about uh, how the an act they they implemented called the Dent Act mm-hmm. gave expanded powers to the police and ended a multitude of crime. Um, Gordon is, is about to take out a piece of paper from his from his suit jacket. Uh, tell the truth to the, the world. Yep. He starts saying the truth about Harvey Dent, and then he stops himself. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Can't bring himself to do it because he feels like he'll upend everything they worked for, I suppose. Even though it's right. Yep. It is bad to hide this secret, I would say. Yes. So now we go inside the Wade Manor. We get introduced to Selena Kyle, who is uh, dressed up as like a maid. Mm-hmm. Who was then caught by uh, by Alfred to go and bring food to Bruce Wayne? She's told to just go leave, go in, go unlock the door, set the food down, lock the door back, and leave. So Selena Kyle, being uh, being instructed to go bring Bruce Wayne food, she gets in there and uh, is caught by Bruce Wayne while she yeah. is stealing his mother's pearls. At least that's what it looks like at the beginning. She was actually stealing his fingerprints. Yep. Which, I, okay. So there's always a twist on whatever is actually happening in this movie. Mm-hmm. Always. Without fail, there's something else going on. In, like, every scene. It gets tiresome after a certain point. <laughs> I I think from this, uh, where do we go? We get introduced to, uh, what's her name, Talia's other name. Tate, Tate. Tate, yeah, Maria, yeah. We introduced Miranda Tate. Mm-hmm. She's out door. She's she's outside 
wait in store asking for him. Um, then we get also introduced at the same time John Daggett, who shows up and tells her that she should go work with him instead of Wayne because Wayne's a recluse. Yeah, he's basically like he's trying like, to get Wayne Industries, but he's trying to do it by using the crime empire kind of shit. Yeah, he's, he's like um, a mob boss type guy. There's we get in a reveal pretty soon here. I mean, we might as well just try to get through this movie. Yeah, you so, yeah. The important part's over. We're in the post credit scene. Right. The plane scene. So, John Daggett is, uh, buys the fingerprints from Selena Kyle, but then, like, cheats her out of what she wants. Which is a uh, which is a clean slate program that like wipes all her previous crimes. You just gotta talk to that dude who sells vacuum cleaners in Breaking Bad, Selena. I don't really know what you're doing with this shit. Mm-hmm. Gotta have some kind of bigger idea than that. Let's go fucking talk to that guy. <laughs> yeah, and this results in a big police scenario because Selena Kyle calls the police. Uh, they show up and they they chase Daggett and his men into the sewers where Gordon is caught. Yeah, and shown that and it's shown that Bane has a base set up in the sewers. Uh huh. We're introduced to Blake at some point through a couple of these scenes. Oh yeah, yeah. We're also yeah. We're also introduced yeah. to John Blake, or Robin, the hothead himself. Yeah. <laughs> I like his character, but if he's gonna be fucking Robin, I would have liked a little more. I would have liked a lot more. What I would have did with this movie, what I wanted them to do with this movie was a little higher stakes than what they did, actually. Yeah. I wanted Batman to actually fucking die and get replaced by the new Batman, who would be this character. And yeah. then he fights Bane and wins. Yeah, that would be sick. Because Batman, in and of itself, isn't just a man. It isn't Bruce Wayne. It's an idea. It's a symbol. And to hammer home that point, a point which was in Batman Begins... That would have been the way to do it. Yep. Yeah. But no, they kind of like did a way worse version of that <laughs> yep. without any of those cool things happening. Yeah, Blake at one point earlier in the film, uh, he he deducts Bruce Wayne's secret identity. Well, Batman's secret identity is Bruce Wayne. Confronts Wayne about it. Basically helps convince Wayne to return as Batman in a way. Yeah. Part of it, at least. So... Uh, once Gordon gets captured, he uh, he kind of like rolls out and falls into the water. Bane has a little gag. The guy who says, talks about how it's going to be hard to find him, he goes through all the networks. And he's, right. Then he tells him like what the follow f- him. Yeah, tells him to follow him and then shoots just shoot. Him. Yeah, just shoots yeah. him and kicks shoot him into the water. For throwing him down a waterfall. <laughs> so. Yeah, Blake gets Gordon out of there, but he's been shot and he's in the hospital. It's very weird that he finds out this information this way, because Blake sees a dead person who was, like, washed through the sewers, Mm -hmm. and, like, just assumes that Gordon will end up in the same location without knowing that Gordon went through that drain specifically. This implies that he has some kind of knowledge that he is not able to have. We have it through watching the movie. We know Gordon went down these things avoiding Bane. But John Blake doesn't know that. I think he was worried that they killed him and then threw him down the drain. Maybe. That's the only way that makes sense. Yeah. Very awfully convenient is all I'm saying. Yep. It is very just awfully too convenient. Bane's at this point. Bane now starts hatching his master plan. 
he attacks the Gotham Stock Exchange. Yeah. Gordon um, in a hospital, and mm-hmm. Batman goes to visit him. Yeah. It's important to go through all this shit real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bruce goes to visit him. Uh... And he tries to, like, convince him that the Batman must return if there's this, like, evil hiding in our sewers. Yeah. With Bane's army and shit. Uh, and I, I guess he just, like, agrees. And he's going to do it. And he gets, you know, the bat suit, talks to, you know, your boy Morgan Freeman again. Yeah. Uh, Alfred gives him a lot of shit for it. Yes. Uh, and there's the new, the new thing, the bat, which was, uh... Once again, a uh, design from production designer Nathan Crowley. This is his third bat vehicle that he designed. He did the tumbler and the bat pod, and now this the bat. Uh, Nolan wanted to not overly rely on CG. So uh, there's a real model that they built of this thing. That's dope. The bat. And uh, they suspended it by wires, cranes, helicopters, and even ground vehicles to simulate its flight. Uh, as often, as good, as well as they could without actually just having it be completely CGI, they did. Which huh. is cool. It wasn't an actual flyable vehicle or anything. That'd be fucking nuts. Yeah. But I like the idea of this thing. I like the look of it. Uh, I'm still, like, aching for a more realistic take on Batman's vehicles, which looks, I think we're getting soon. Yep, that's what it looks I'm like. I'm excited for that 70s muscle car Robert Pattinson Batmobile. Yeah, that thing's sick. I need that shit in my life. That shit looks cool. I love it. Very excited for that. Because we're at the point where Batman has basically a jet and a tank <laughs> in, this, in these movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now Bane attacks the stock exchange uh, using the fingerprints he acquired from Daggett, because Daggett's working with Bane. Yeah. To make a big wager with Bruce Wayne's account. Yeah. This, this plot is weird. It, it's to set up so Daggett can take over Wayne the company. Ousted so that Daggett can take over. Yeah, but then they don't even end up doing that. No, I don't get it. So as they're escaping, it also it randomly turns to night, and uh, Batman shows up. Like really randomly. Yes. Turns to night. Yeah, it does that a couple times in this movie, and I really have to question what they were doing and why they did it. There's a lot of just like day to night transitions that just happen. Yeah. And shouldn't. Right. It happens a couple times in this, this movie. This one is very jarring because it is straight up daytime, and then Batman arrives on the scene, and then all of a sudden it's nighttime. Yeah. It's it like was... he made it nighttime. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> we have a big change scene, um, but then this Bane is what gets I was away. I hoping for a lot from this movie because we get a big cops chasing Batman scene, which is dope. I wanted this way earlier in this movie. Yeah. The movie not paced particularly well looking back on it. Uh, it takes about 45 minutes for Batman to even be on screen, right? As yeah. Batman. Which I get given the uh, the plot they went with, but <coughs> again, I would have liked to see Batman running away from the cops a lot yeah. based on how the Dark Knight ends. Right, you'd think that, right? I would. Yeah, but this, but the big ass cop chase uh, allows a pathway for Bane to just get away. Yeah, which is uh, shitty because the cops focus on Batman. Yep, cops would rather catch Batman right now because because of the whole lie perpetuated from him killing Harvey Dent. They think it's more important. By the way, there's a really funny uh, kids storybook that was on sale when this movie came out. I don't know why you would even try. Yeah, it's weird. Place for like little kids, and it's this scene basically. 
Except, like, Batman just catches Bane at the end of it and then just puts him in jail. And then it's like, movie over. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we got him, boys. <laughs> That's funny. What the fuck? It's for, like, li- it's for like three-year-olds, man. I don't know. That's so weird. They gotta release a children's storybook version of this, the plane scene. Oh, dude, that'd, that'd be the art. best. That'd be the best. It ends with them just saying, big guy for you, and then they hug, and then it says, the end. <laughs> so Bruce returns to the Batcave after uh, this unsuccessful attempt. Uh, Alfred has gets into an argument with him, and then the following morning decides to resign. Yeah. Because he can't see Bruce do this to himself anymore and says he's going to kill himself. He can't stand by and watch it anymore. And maybe uh-huh. him leaving will help convince him to stop. Doesn't. It Let doesn't. me critique this scene. Yeah, go for it, buddy. It's well acted, and I love Michael Caine and Christian Bale's performances here. However, it is stupid. I don't really understand why Alfred is so flip-floppy in these three movies between what he believes. In the first movie, he encourages Bruce to find some way to stop being Batman because he doesn't want him to be Batman. I get it. That's also his standpoint in movie three. There is a connection between movie one and movie three because of the League of Shadows shit. Right. Movie two is now an outlier because in that movie, Batman, after Rachel dies, is going basically, I don't know how I can go on. I feel like I can't be Batman anymore. And even earlier in the film, when he wants to give himself up to the police because the Joker is killing people every day, Batman doesn't. Alfred says the opposite opinion. Alfred says you shouldn't give in to the madman's desires because that's the point of being Batman. He can take it. And he even says that about the death of Rachel. It's important to keep going because that's how you honor the ones you've lost, not wallowing and letting it defeat you. Which happened anyway. However, ultimately, his opinion is that he should keep being Batman because rightfully so, he needs to stop Joker. In this movie, from what we know Bane is capable of and tries to do, I think it would be downright irresponsible for him to stop being Batman at the drop of a hat Apparently he needed to exist in order to save Gotham from being blown to fucking kingdom come. If he followed Alfred's advice, everyone would have died. Yeah. Possibly including Alfred. Because Alfred left because he said no. So Alfred wasn't in Gotham when it happened. Which I find suspicious, old man. (laughs) (laughs) Alfred's part of League of Shadows? (laughs) Yeah, dude. He was the big guy in the end. Not for you. <laughs> I just... I get what they were going for. If it was more consistent, I'd have less of a problem with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he flip-flops from how he felt in The Dark Knight. And it's not like they pretend The Dark Knight doesn't happen. Because he references the fact that he burnt Rachel's letter. Yeah. Like, I... I don't know, man. I don't know. It, it feels emotionally manipulative and ignoring basic facts of the last movie and how the character was portrayed. And the fact that nobody brought this up is kind of confounding to me. Yeah. It makes me, like, disagree heavily with Alfred in this entire film. 
Which sucks because I really like Michael Caine mm-hmm. and I like his Alfred, best he's, Alfred. He still, but like, he still, still does great in this movie, but I just don't like where the character is at the moment. This also removes him from a large portion of the film, and that sucks too. He's yeah. in the Dark Knight way more, way more consistently throughout the whole film, but that is just a better film overall. <laughs> it is quite. So, all right, let's move on. I just wanted to bitch about that. All right, so Fox recommends that uh, Bruce meet up with Miranda Tate and should make her the CEO to avoid bad shit happening to the company and Dak taking control of it. Bruce agrees. He ends up taking a liking to Tate and they fuck. Yeah, uh, apropos of nothing, really. (coughs) We go from like 0 to 60 on this one, which is the same way they approach the Batman-Catwoman relationship. You know, why write a relationship and uh, the the sequence of people falling in love when you just don't really have to write that? You just have it happen because just fuck it. Who care? Just write it. <laughs> um, at this point, uh, Bane kills Daggett. Yes. And then... Uh, Puts his hand on him and says, Do you feel in charge? I love yeah, that line, though. That's great. And uh, replaces him with, uh, you know... Guy. <laughs> yeah. I forget his fucking name. Worst version of him. Yeah. Uh, I like that actor, though. He's fun. Yeah. Then we get... um. Then we get Batman meeting with Selina Kyle. Yeah. Offering to, uh... Give her the clean slate. Yeah, give her the clean slate if she takes him to Bane. Yeah. And she's like, okay. And then she traps him with Bane. It's a trick. She's a bitch. She fucked him over. Yeah. We have, like, this brief scene where it seems like they're working together and everything's cool. By the way, weird horror movie shot of Batman just effortlessly dodging bullets and attacking a guy. Yeah. What the fuck was that? It was fucking wild, dude. <laughs> and then we get, you know, this iconic scene, which actually still remains one of the best parts of the entire movie. The Bane-Batman fight scene. Bane beats his ass while monologuing, and it's dope. Yep, talking about the League of Shadows and how he's fulfilling Roger Gould's destiny by destroying Gotham. So many iconic lines. You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it. Molded by it. And, uh, you know, break your spirit or your body. Break him back. Yep. So, yep. uh. Bane break the bat. He break the back of the bat. <laughs> yep. And then, uh, transfers him to an underground prison, which is apparently a prison that, uh, Bane used to be in. This is a weird prison that I have trouble reconciling the fact that it exists in the narrative of the movie because it only really functions as a metaphor. I'm going to call this place Metaphor Prison. Okay, cool. <laughs> it only really works as a metaphor prison. Yeah, It's I agree. not like a real prison. It's a weird, nonsense prison <laughs> that doesn't exist in any way. Like, I know this is a movie. You can make up a weird prison thing. <coughs> but it's just, there's so much to it that doesn't make any sense at all. It's so weird. It is very strange. It's such a specific idea that it only works to apply for the metaphor of the Dark Knight rising. Yeah. That's it. That's it, all it works It's two for. on the head. Yeah. So to describe this prison that he is put into is a big pit. Big pit. Big well. That imagery from the first movie of him falling into the, you know, it all ties back into each other. Yeah. I get it. Bunch of people down here. Uh, every now and then, 
someone tries to make a climb to get out, but they always fail. But there's legends of one person who escaped, and it's implied that that person is Bane. And that's the rumor that is that it is Bane. However, we eventually find out that wasn't the case. But, uh... Yeah, um, Bruce is fucked, and Bane decides that, you know, to leave him a TV to watch, to let him watch Gotham spiral into the darkness. Yep. And, uh, he's yep. fucked. He has a vertebrae betraying, like, protruding from his back. Yeah. But thankfully, there's some friendly inmates in this prison who help him rehabilitate. Yeah. And he yeah. will begin to make the climbs to try to get out. Yep. Meanwhile,. Bane's fucking Gotham. Fucking traps, it entirely. Yeah, he lures all the police into the sewers and traps them inside. Yeah. Uh, so there are no police. Nope. And Gotham, save for a few people. <laughs> Mr. Policeman, you could have saved the city if only you didn't get trapped in the sewer. He then kills the mayor during a football game that features the Steelers. Oh, let's it. talk about this. Yeah. So, um, I, I'm sure... So, yeah, Nolan, last movie film in Chicago... He was like, I love Chicago. Real cool city. Filmed there for a bit of Batman Begins. I'm going to come back and film even more. And then he just ignores Chicago for this movie. Yeah. And I don't know what happened. I didn't find any negative things that happened. Or maybe it was like too expensive. Or maybe he just wanted to change a pace. Whatever the case is, it leads to the movie being less like visually consistent with The Dark Knight. Yeah. Um, I prefer the Chicago look of Gotham to the Pittsburgh look of Gotham. And maybe that's just because, you know, we live in Ohio, so we're familiar with how Pittsburgh looks. It's it's a state over, I agree, but we're in that, like... It's a short drive we're in Pittsburgh that, all the time. We're in that right nipple of Ohio, basically. Yeah, yeah no, like, Pittsburgh's, <laughs> Pittsburgh's literally, like, a less than an hour drive. It's closer to Pittsburgh for us than it is to Cleveland. Yeah, it's it's a quicker drive. So, like, yeah. Um I I underst I I can get it for certain areas, but maybe not for all of it. They filmed a lot in Pittsburgh. But they also filmed in like LA and New York as well and a bunch of other locations cuz Gotham is a hodgepodge of cities. I right. get it. Yeah. But so this scene is very prominent and stands out as a location they used in Pittsburgh because it's it's Heinz Field. It's where the Pittsburgh Steelers play. Yep. So they have this fictional team called the Gotham Rogues, and it's literally just the Steelers from 2012. Yeah. Uh, you got tons of Steelers making a cameo, and I'm a fan of the Steelers, so I will name all of them. Let's go. Okay. Ben Roethlisberger. I just forget that he exists. I'm sorry. Heinz Ward, uh, who is most prominent because he is the one that gets to outrun the explosion in this scene. Yep. Troy Palomalu, the fucking legend. Willie Colon, Marquise Pouncey, Mike Wallace, Heath Miller, Aaron Smith, Ryan Clark, James Ferrier, Lamar Woodley, and Casey Hampton all there. And also, they let, I believe, Mike Tomlin was the coach by now. But yeah. the coach that does appear is Bill Cower, the former head coach. He's dope. Which is cool. Um, so... Partially, I believe, <laughs> the reason this is in the movie at all is the Roonies uh, a big share of their, like, stock in, like, this team was bought by Legendary Pictures. 
who oh. uh, who make this movie. Yeah. That deal went through in like 2008. Lo and behold, <laughs> all of the sudden this movie is filmed in Pittsburgh, not Chicago. <laughs> and mm. and the Steelers are in the movie. Heinz Field is in the movie. I just have to question things. Maybe there was it would be cheaper to do this because Pittsburgh won't charge us as much as Chicago and Nolan, I know you wanted that scene where Bane is in some kind of public place. What if it's Heinz Field? And Nolan was like, hell yeah, that sounds cool. Shake some hands. <laughs> and again, here we are. <laughs> like, My God. I feel like that had to have been the case, right? I like this scene, but it really takes me out of it when it's literally recognizable football players. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Probably should have been actors. Like, it literally being Heinz Ward escaping and only Heinz Ward, all the other football players <laughs> fucking die. I guess we're implying that all the other Steelers are dead. Yeah. Rip. <laughs> I feel bad. Except maybe for Ben Roethlisberger. I think he like, probably a bad person. Yeah. Looks like it, doesn't it? What is it with Steelers quarterbacks, oh, buddy? Man. What the Ooh. fuck? Oh, last year was a bad time. <laughs> last season. So, Bane had Dr. Pavel convert uh, a reactor core that's been sitting at the bottom. It's the entire reason he got Dr. Pavel. However, yeah. why fake Dr. Pavel's death? He does it. That's what that whole fucking transferring the blood to the corpse was about. Although that doesn't really make sense either. I guess they just find his DNA on the scene and just assume Dr. Pavel died. Even though the rest of the DNA would not match. It's, I don't fucking know. Who knows? Who under... I, is this not how science... <laughs> but like... I, I but what is the point of doing that anyway? I have no idea. I think he just kills him here. Yeah. Once he gets what he wants from the bomb, he well, just kills Well, the whole point Pavel. is to show everybody that the only guy who could stop the bomb is dead now. Yeah. But, like, why would anyone listen to him in the future? Because he kind of, like, wants to be, like, for the people and, like, be, like, this revolutionary that some denizens of Gotham can, like, really get behind. Because he kind of, like, imposes himself as this figure... That, like, gives the power back to the poor people who can overtake it from the corrupt and rich people. And he's using that revolutionary narrative as a tool to just spread, basically, chaos in Gotham. Uh, but it's a lie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a contradiction of sorts to me. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it. And I don't really necessarily understand what they're going with because it honestly on it almost makes it sound like Bane is right even though he is really evil and he's misusing the narrative for his own yeah movies. that's the thing I would have preferred if he wasn't like he didn't have to be a member of the League of Shadows I didn't, didn't need that callback yeah that too I don't know like it's it's kind of just like it, it, it ruins his agency as his own character. Yeah, well, it does it. Tw- there's two different yeah, things that do that. it does it again later. Yeah, it's just sad. Everything okay over there? Yeah, it looks fine. All right, it just changed completely. That was weird. Okay. Yeah, it looks fine. Sorry, go ahead. Talk about the move. Yeah. So, Bane pulls out and reads Gordon's script... He Where stole off. That? He stole it off of him when he was down captured in the sewers. Oh, okay, that makes sense. 
That was in his pocket that whole time, huh? Yep. <laughs> Takes it out and reads it. And then releases all the prisoners in Blackade Penitentiary. Yeah. They start killing Gotham's elite in kangaroo courts. That are presided over by Scarecrow, Jonathan Crane. This is a good, this is a good cameo. This is my favorite of his cameos. Yeah, it's great. I like it a lot. Death by Exile is a really good line. Yeah. Um, I like that they gave him a little bit. It's like they gave him tenure. Like, hey, you worked for the League of Shadows before, buddy. We'll let you do this. Right. <laughs> and he's probably cool with it because he's like, haha, people be scared, LMAO. Right. <laughs> That's his only want in life. So now we have months going by at this point. Yeah, well, because we need time to go by so that Batman can get out of that uh, metaphor prison. Mm -hmm. Uh, The bomb can't go off, like, tomorrow, otherwise he wouldn't be able to do it. Right. So you said about four months till the bomb goes off? I believe so, something like that. It's it's some amount of time that is months. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so Bane has blown most of the bridges in Gotham, leaving only two two bridges, I think, for the exit. Yeah. So we're kind of in this scenario where we cut back and forth between, like, things getting worse and worse in Gotham and Bruce in the prison trying to escape. Yes. He attempts to escape three times. The third one is successful. Those other two don't work very well. He only is able to escape successfully when he learns about how the child escaped... Which was without the rope. Yep. Which doesn't help make a lot of sense. They they frame it as this, you need to accept fear into you again. You need to be afraid to fail. Because you've grown complacent or whatever. Like, yeah. It's this implication that like, Batman like wants to die. He needs to want to live. So, re- removing the thing that, like, lets him still live after failing the climb mm-hmm. helps him succeed at it. Again, it's just a metaphor prison. It's not a real thing. Right. <laughs> like, it doesn't work as a real thing. And also, they got the chanting, which I like as a, <coughs> a motif in this film score. Again, by uh, the Zimmer. Yep. Uh, P, P, guy, guy. <laughs> P P guy guy. That's what they're saying, right? Big guy for you, for you, big guy for you, for uh, you, big uh, guy uh, for uh, you, for uh, you, big uh, guy uh, for uh, you, for uh, you. And then he escapes. It's right. all good. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's a big guy for you. <laughs> yeah. Now he is. Now that he has become a big guy for you, he can defeat the other big guy for you, Bane. <laughs> That's how. That's exactly what happens. Um, the rest of the cops that are left over start hatching a plan. Yeah. Um, to track down the bomb There's and like then a resistance, basically. Yeah. You know, we got like you know Blake rescues Gordon from the hospital before anybody can get to him, and uh, they're kind of holed up in a house. Uh, they they see uh, Bane's speech about Harvey Dent, and mm-hmm. Blake's pretty pissed off about that. Uh, I don't know why anybody believes Bane, by the way. Like, yeah. Would just be making that shit up, right? I, I mean, would you believe the man who would shoot a man? <laughs> like. Like, honestly. Right. Um, but whatever. So that was when the movie gets really dumb. You ready? Yep. So they set up a they set up a little project to uh, to block the bomb from emitting a signal to stop the detonator from going off. Yeah. Which doesn't matter. Yeah. By the way, because the bomb's just going to go off anyway. Yeah. They don't know that yet. Yeah. 
It's dumb. And then we get Selena Kyle stopping a kid from getting beat up for stealing an apple. And then it's a parallel to Batman Begins. Where yeah, Batman shared an apple with the kid. Sure. And then just then just Bruce Wayne just shows up. Yeah, he's just there. And and like it, it really makes no sense at all. Uh huh. Because the 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 way that things have escalated is there are multiple guards and multiple multiple trolls, military all around the place. Uh, because. If anyone leaves Gotham, Bane's going to blow up the bomb, right? That's the implication. Kill everybody. So no one can leave. No one in or out. And the one time that people do make it in, the military people, Bane finds and kills them and hangs them from the sides of buildings so that the world can see them. Uh, So now the military is super not letting anyone in or out. Right. Uh, So how's Bruce Wayne... Without any of his Batman technology, his suit, just a guy wearing some clothes. No money to his name, by the way. Don't even know how he got out of the country he was in, let alone <laughs> to Gotham. Let alone in Gotham. how he get in? I don't know. There's a way to explain it, and it's probably clever and could have been written, and could have been an interesting scene, but no time for that. He's in Gotham. Fuck it, I guess. Yep. I would have liked to know. I don't know. They could have set up something like he can get to Wayne Manor and then get in through that. There's a secret passage. Right. Because the Waynes used it in the Underground Railroad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. It was. You remember. Yeah. They talk about that in Batman Begins. Uh, like, honestly... That would have been fine with me. Yeah. Explain it, please. You can make a good scene out of it if you do. Right. But now he shows up. Yep, yeah, but he tells he tells Kyle, hey, I have the clean slate. I don't know where he got it. But he's like, I have the clean slate. I need you to just t- tape my bike and blow two holes in a wall, please, so that you can go. <laughs> she's like, duh, okay. But he's trying to convince her that, like, no, there's something more to you than that. And she's like, lol, nah. <laughs> <laughs> just like fucks off. So like, I just want at every turn. Just, just bye. Mm. Shoots. The, she does blow the things open to let all the. She starts letting cops out and then leaves. Yeah. Visits Robin. Does the same thing with him except plays a little gag where he's like throw this little bomb. Yeah. It does and it doesn't do anything. Well, yet. this is after he's able to get in and get talking to Lucius Fox. Nah, that's right. Yeah. And Miranda Tate, who also helps him with this plan, which doesn't make any sense. And uh, <laughs> and they get to go to that storage container. From the Dark Knight, where he, uh, that that explains how he gets another bat suit. Yeah, they had one in there, uh, the the backup bat cave from the Dark Knight, uh, and he is able to use the bat as well. He saves Gordon from getting exiled to death, like uh, we saw happening to uh, uh, Daggett's second in command earlier yeah. in the film. Uh, this scene also makes no sense because he walks out on the ice, which is how they died. Like the lake is frozen over, and if you walk on it, you sink through. Because the ice is brittle. Mm-hmm. So this is about to happen to Gordon, but then just, like, Batman walks out on the ice, too. And, like, gives him a flare. And they light it, and it lights a big, giant bat symbol that is on fire. And then, like... that The fire is on the ice, too, by the way. Like... I don't know. <laughs> it's... 
<laughs> Maybe have your meeting not on the dangerous surface where you can die. Yeah, that'd be nice. But uh, whatever. So Batman back. Gordon like creams in his jeans. Oh, and yeah. He's like hell That's yeah. A big cum. Batman back. <laughs> and uh, they're yeah. uh. So Batman now works to free the rest of the police. Gonna go to war. Yep, but then they go with Batman Lily says, we're gonna go to war. They go to a street ball with Babe's guys. Mm-hmm. And you see the big city square right outside the old prison. It's all the cops. It's all the cops versus all the criminals. Just like real life. Yeah, sure. <laughs> And they run at each other in a warlike fashion, start beating the shit yeah, out of each other. like a medieval war. Yeah, it's like fashion. ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. Bane's guys have guns. Yep. The cops really don't, because they were all taken away, I get it. But Bane's guys, like, should just mow them down and win. They just don't. But they don't. And Batman's in the thick of this as well, and fights Bane, and like... You'd think that, like, you know, they would write a really cool, clever thing for Batman to say to Bane after seeing him after all this time. And uh, all he says is, like, I'm here to stop you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or something lame like that. It's really limp-dicked. They should have came up with something better for him to say. Anyway, he wins this fight, basically. Yeah, he does. Uh, he beats the shit of Bane, like, cracks his mask. The only difference is that he cracks his mask and that hurts Bane. They don't really ever go into it in the movie it itself. extremely painful. Yeah, that's the only line they say about his mask and what yeah. it would do if, like, it was gone. Just, it would be extremely powerful. Well, I guess it was, because he, like, hit his mask. Yeah, I guess that's all you need to know, but, like... I I think they explained it as that, like, it pumps basically fucking painkiller drugs into his system. Because, like, it keeps him, like, without pain as much as he can to function. So maybe the reason that anything happens is because Bane is high on painkillers oh, all the time. Oh, okay. All the time. Why well, sounds like that? I think it's a... This could have been an interesting thing if they actually went into it in the movie. It's a way to do Venom without there being Venom. Like, maybe he just, like... He doesn't, like, turned into somebody who has bigger muscles and is stronger. He's turned into somebody who doesn't believe he can be harmed. Yeah. And doesn't feel pain the same way other people do because he's constantly getting drugs into his system. That could have been an interesting way to do that, actually. Yeah, definitely. But they don't talk about it at all besides, it would be extremely painful. <laughs> the Bane impression's getting worse. It is. It? Oh, well. So, here we get, after Batman basically goes for the final blow on Bane, mm-hmm. here we get revealed that, uh, that Dolly Al Ghul's here. <sighs> Randa Tate shows up and, like, talks to him and then just, like, stabs him. Like, uh-huh. nah, I'll tell you, bitch. I'm Ra's al Ghul's daughter. I was actually the little kid that escaped that prison. And then Dad came back and got Bane. And, but then he would, like, that new face goopy. He looks like he would be in a movie called Venom. And I don't think that's that ain't good at all. I'm going <laughs> to excommunicate him forever because he wants to fuck my daughter. And that's weird because she was like a kid when she escaped. Yeah. Uh, they don't ever... They, I, there's not enough explanation for anything now, in this lore. And I hate it. <laughs> now, I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt to the movie in that the love they were talking about I don't think is like romantic love. I sure fucking hope not. Like, but I, like, I am one hundred percent on board for thinking that's like a like a sibling type love. I hope so. They bonded in the prison. I get it. 
But then... Like they share a familial bond. Why does Ra's al Ghul excommunicate him? And why is it necessary to tell us this? I don't think it is necessary. I thought he was excommunicated because his his ideals were too extreme for even for Ra's al Ghul. That was the idea. Alfred says that. Talia does not say that. Talia says his only crime was that he loved me. Which contradicts that a bit. Yeah. She could have a different opinion than her dad. Right. But what is too extreme for Ra's al Ghul? He wanted to blow up Gotham and kill everyone. What is Bane doing in this movie? Same thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, dude. What's more extreme? Just the big guy for you stuff? I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't... There's no explanation of any of this. Beating up CIA, war. dude. That's the fucking... Oh, CIA was a friend of Ra's al Ghul's from way back. Oh, dude. shit. It's like, oh, that was my boy CIA. What the fuck? I don't know how this happens. I don't know how he disproves of this after he's dead. But anyway... <laughs> I don't know. Fuck it. Oh, could we didn't even talk about that Ra's al Ghul scene where he just shows up in the prison. Oh, yeah. Well, well Bruce is, like, half dead in a prison. Uh, yeah. Ra's al Ghul's, like... The vision of Ra's al Ghul appears to uh-huh. Bruce and, like, taunts him. Well, I just want to talk about when I first saw this movie. Um, I love Ra's al Ghul as a villain, but part of why I love Ra's al Ghul is the lore behind him being he's centuries old. Yeah, he's immortal. He's been trying to do his plan for centuries, and there's always somebody to beat him. Like, there's an episode of the animated series where, well, Batman's not around, and it's the Old West. <laughs> You know who beats him? Jonah Hex. It's a cool episode. It's a yeah. Jonah Hex episode. I loved it. Because otherwise, there's no way to bring in Jonah Hex, because that's a character that exists in, like, the cowboy era of DC Comics. Right. Uh, but, like, I like that concept that there will always be there someone there to stop him, but he's the same guy. So he's lived through so much life, and he can't ever die, but every time he resurrects himself, he comes back more insane. And I thought the Nolan movies were going to jump the shark and introduce, for a, for a brief, like, ten seconds in my brain, I was like, oh my god, Ra's al Ghul is in this movie. And they hid this from everyone. And it was such a shock that, like, I was, like, so excited. Yeah, and then... I was like, fake. oh my god, he didn't fucking die. Which doesn't make any sense, unless he cannot die. Which is a superpower, which is fucking insane... But I want it so bad, because up till now, these movies have been realistic, in quotation marks. Right. But realistic in the terms that there's no powers, but, like, that would have been a crazy twist that no one would expect. That they would actually make a huge pivot left turn and go into the realm of, yeah, Lazarus Pit. Right. But then they just didn't do it. It's just a vision. No, he's just a vision. And I was immediately disappointed. Because, <laughs> like, yeah, of course. And it's maintaining that Nolan verse where Batman is more realistic. It would have been a betrayal of the ideals of it if all of a sudden you have this character who can live forever. Yeah. But I was so excited for it. <laughs> I was down. I hope one day we can get a live action Ra's al Ghul that is actually like this. Just recast Liam Neeson. I mean, no. Why not? Uh, he's stupid. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I doubt you could find a black man willing to work with him ever again. Oh, yeah, good point. But, uh... I forgot about that stuff. You're not allowed. Yeah, good point. <laughs> you have to remember. That is fair. <laughs> uh, 
So, back he did a good job. Don't get me wrong. I'm right. just saying. Yeah. So maybe somebody else. Talia drives a knife into into, into Batman's side, and he's Talia, why? He's like screaming out in agony, yeah. and uh, she reveals that you know that that her plans is to all follow in her father's footsteps, blow up Gotham. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes to set the detonator, and uh, Gordon is able to successfully pull off his plan and radio interfere with the detonator. Will radio interfere the bomb so it can't be detonated. She goes to set it. It doesn't. It doesn't work. And so she sets off to go find the bomb, and leaves uh, leaves Batman for dead with Bane. Selena Kyle comes back with the uh, with the with the bat pod and uh, shoots straight up head ass shoots Bane with it and kills him. Just like that, he's gone. Sad. Yeah. So like, this is probably my single biggest problem with the movie. All happens right in this moment here. In the span of five minutes, Bane's role as the big guy for you, big villain of the entire film, is undermined by it actually being masterminded by Talia. Yep. And this twist is messy and doesn't make a whole lot of sense because she, like, assisted Bruce and shit. Uh, Maybe she just wanted to challenge. I don't know. It didn't seem to help her plans in the end. No, it didn't. Uh, And then, immediately after that... He is completely removed from the movie altogether when Catwoman fucking murders him. Yep. It's depressing. Yeah, it is. I wanted a bigger conclusion to this character. Something more definitive. The Joker is not in the final scene of The Dark Knight. However, that scene still works because it's a direct result of his actions. This takes away... Any influence Bane had, and then the final villain moment is just Talia trying to do the bomb stuff. She was the villain the whole time, and Bane was just a lackey, basically. Yeah. And it ruins the entire character. Mm-hmm. To a depressing degree, in my opinion. Yeah, it's really bad. So, uh, after Selina saves Batman, they go in to, to pursue Talia. Um, they want to bring the bomb back to, back to the original they reactor chamber kiss, to cool it down. Way. Yeah, which in the is span of five minutes again. Batman <laughs> goes from Talia, why to Selina? Yeah, let us kiss. For I just lost my option A, and you're my silver medal. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, God, we're gonna get married." <laughs> so they they crash. Uh, so Talia gets a hold of the truck that has the bomb in it, and she starts driving it. The uh, then they stop the truck and crash it. And in her dying breath, Talia put like activates a device that floods the chamber in which they were going to stop the nuclear meltdown of the bomb. This is some bad death acting, by the way. Yeah, it's terrible. Talia dies and just, like, flops over. It's so funny. It's it's like if you were trying to act out a death scene in a school play. Yeah, like, like you're doing it, like... midline, like, oh, I'm dead. Yeah. It, it's, it's pretty it amateurish. Really, I don't why really bad. This. I don't know. So now the bomb is just going to go off anyway. Uh-huh. Batman decides to make the decision to use the bat to carry the bomb out into the ocean. 
here we are at this part. This part sucks too. This part, even people that don't like to poke holes in movies, yeah, complained about this one. <laughs> so yeah, you got to take the nuke out of Gotham, and everybody's like, "Yay, Batman!" But uh oh, Batman is sacrificing himself to get rid of the bomb because he has to. It's about to go off. He has to get it away from Gotham. And then it explodes, and Batman is the die. Yep. Except, not fucking really, even he, though, you know, we don't see any of this yeah. man. So we get an aftermath scene. Yeah. We get several aftermath yeah. scenes. So Alfred's Batman. sad that dead. Yeah. Police so have statue. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yep. And then there was a reference earlier in the movie where Alfred talks about how he goes out to this pier. He went down around when. Bruce was originally gone in, in Batman Begins. Yes. He would always go out to this remote island where he would have some food and sit down at this restaurant and he always hoped that he would just see Bruce over there one day just with a wife and kids just like eating food and he would be happy. Um, that happens, I guess, except it's him and Selina Kyle. Somehow, I don't fucking get it. It doesn't make any real sense. I've seen people float the notion that Alfred is just imagining this in his head, but like... No, they bring up the thing with the autopilot. Yeah. Like, because there's a, a brief notion early in the movie when he's first introduced to the bat by Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. That it, it, it has everything except autopilot. And Morgan's like, you know, haha, I need someone with more time to figure this out. Like you, Mr. Wayne, haha. And then, of course, he does fix the autopilot. Yeah. The autopilot was fixed six months ago because they dredged the bat out of the water. Yeah. They're looking at it, and they're like, looks like someone fixed it six months ago. Bruce Wayne fixed it. By the way, like, that would clue in Morgan Freeman that he's still alive. Do you think he would go look for him? Maybe. By the way? Oops. You fucked up, Bruce. <laughs> so, then we get uh, Blake resigning from the Gotham City Police Department. I like that character choice. I like His him. faith in the police department is completely shattered by what happens to him because he there's that scene where he's trying to get the orphans and the kids of Gotham out. Yeah. And the military blows the bridge and won't let him do it. And he's like, you're killing us! Blah! And he's but justifiably pissed right. at the cops and the military. And that leads him to just say, well, fuck it all. Yeah. I like that story decision. Yeah, me too. And then... Uh, it turns out that uh, something was left for him by Bruce Wayne. Somehow under his real name, by the way, which means he's accused him in that Bruce knew who he was the whole he time. He knew he was Robin the whole time. Yeah, which doesn't make any real actual implications, technically. Yeah. But just, just for the Easter egg drop, it's like, oh, what? his real name's Robin. Ooh, great. Get it? And then you get this little, like, teaser scene where he... Uh, he was left the means to discover the Batcave. Kind of insinuating that Bruce intentionally left the carrying of the Batman torch to him. Yeah. And he's willing to take it on because he does want justice, but not in the cop way. So, here you are. Right. And, and then, then the, the movie, movie ends. Yep, and that's it. And this is Dark Knight Rises. Um, I don't know. It's Okay. <laughs> I hate how disappointed I am because, god damn it, when this movie came out. I know. It was like, yeah, dude, Nolan pulled it off. 
the third movie. It's just as good as the second one. And then you watch it again, and it's like, well, it's not as good as The Dark Knight. Maybe a couple things. You but it's still it really good. Hell, it's maybe even better than Batman Begins. Then you watch it like a third time, and you're like, oh my god. Big guy for you. <laughs> <laughs> and then you watch it a fourth time, and you're like, oh, mm. Man, there's a lot of dumb lines in this movie. And also a lot of plot lines that don't make sense. And then it's been like, you know, eight years. And it has not aged well at all. Nope. Whereas Batman Begins and The Dark Knight have aged gracefully. Yes. And are still relevant to modern superhero film. I don't know what it is. Well, it's mostly the script. Yeah. Because I think the direction... From Nolan and the acting, cinematography, the score, are all stellar. Just as stellar as they were in the previous two movies. But the script and the story beats and the pacing They're all are off. all very off to me. Yep, all off. And it has really... I don't know. I can't say I particularly love this film. I agree. I don't even know if I like it. I think it's. Uh, I just think I'm it's okay. I'm very mixed on it. I just think it's okay. It's a movie that I probably like when I first saw it, like because Nolan's really good at sweeping you away with his movie. Yeah. But then you watch it again, and it's like, hmm, hmm. So, uh, before we rank this, let's talk about something briefly. I'm just going to quote it directly from what's on Wikipedia. Okay. Because uh, it's fucked up. And then we'll talk about something that is uh, a palate cleanser after this. So, I'm going to talk about this real real brief because this was kind of a fucked up thing. Uh, movie comes out. Yep. Midnight showing in Aurora, Colorado. A gunman wearing a gas mask opens fire in the theater, kills 12 people, injures 58 others. Uh, police responding to the shooting apprehended a suspect later. Uh, I'm not going to say his name. Fuck no, it. Don't, don't you dare say uh, his name. So, like, yeah, there was, like, this whole, like, media sensation about, like, you know, I guess I'm not reading it word for word from what's on Wikipedia, but I wrote it down anyway. I'll just go through it. There was like a since like initial report saying that he identified himself as the Joker at the time of his arrest, but that has been debunked. He did not say that. Uh, Warner Brothers canceled the Paris, Mexico, and Japan premieres of the film, suspended the film's marketing campaign in Finland. Several broadcast networks also suspended television ads for the film. Uh, the trailer for Gangster Squad, another Warner Brothers movie uh, included in the screening of The Dark Knight Rises, was removed because there's a scene where uh, gangsters shoot submachine guns at moviegoers through a screen similar to this and director Christopher Nolan released a public statement at the time of the events uh, quote I would not presume to know anything about the victims of the shooting but that they were the last they were there last night to watch a movie I believe movies are one of the great American art forms and the shared experience of watching a story unfold on screen is an important and joyful pastime the movie theater is my home and the idea that someone would violate that innocent and hopeful place is such an unbearably savage way is devastating to me. Nothing any of us can say could ever adequately express our feelings for the innocent victims of this appalling crime, but our thoughts are with them and their families. And other stars of the film issued uh, similar statements, and uh, Christian Bale even paid a personal visit to the survivors and the memorial in Aurora when this happened. Uh, it was a 
terrible thing that happened. Yeah, it's really fucked up. Uh, rules have changed since then. I used to love going to midnight screenings. It's really cool. I think we talked about this last week. We actually, did a little bit, yeah. Very briefly, but this is where things change a little bit. And probably for the better, mostly to keep people safe, which is good. You can't be wearing masks. Can't be carrying bags into the screening. It's it's scrutiny, but it's good. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's just meant to keep everybody safe. But it's, fine. it's really disheartening that when someone like, you know, we, we enjoy these movies and we watch them on this show, good or bad. I still have a good time, no matter how stupid the movie is. Yeah. Because we get to make fun of it, uh, if it's bad. Uh, it's just really disheartening that someone could just, like, take that and warp it and ruin it completely yeah, for tons of people. It is terrible. But... Not much else you can say about it other than that. The good positive thing that happened, if you can call it that. <laughs> At least a funny palate cleanser after that. Bane posting. Yes. The the excellent meme. The movie will live on forever, despite it not being good. As a meme. As a meme. Now, we talked about it a bit, but I want to talk about a very important thing that happened, which is insane. I cannot believe this is a real thing that happened. So, Bane posting becomes incredibly uh, prevalent... Very early on, before the movie comes out, because yeah. that scene is released. Right. So people are making fun of it way back then. It gets to the point where, like, people on 4chan, people on Reddit, people all over the internet are quoting the lines and making fun of it. The Bane posting Reddit is still going. The, I believe, second most reposted image on the TV board on 4chan is a close-up of CIA's ass. <laughs> <laughs> I found that out today. <laughs> And I was laughing my ass off about that. It's in uh, in 2014, Mr. Tom Hardy plopped on Reddit and said, Hey, ask me anything. Predictably, <laughs> everyone was only asking memes and nothing but. Tom mostly ignored them because, you know, people were kind of, like, upset that nobody was asking him a real question. Uh, and moderators were trying to do their best to funnel out the shit posts. Right. However, he responded to one of them. Oh, shit. To Tom, many people have been puzzled over some of the dialogue in Dark Knight Rises. This piece of dialogue has attracted the most amount of discussion. CIA, you're a big guy. Bane, for you. Is he saying, I am a big guy compared to you, or it will be painful for you if you pull off my mask? Tom Hardy. <laughs> it was written, meaning it would be painful for you, but I intoned it, meaning I'm a big guy for you. Yeah! <laughs> yes! What a legend. <laughs> He intentionally started made posting. I this is where it's at. <laughs> like, I know that's not true. <laughs> nah, dude, write it in, pencil that shit in. Tom Hardy started Bane posting. So anyway, despite what we said, the movie's a success. You know that, oh, of course. Eighty-seven percent Ron's command made fucking billion point eight four dollars. 
against its three hundred million budget, you know it was a success. It was more successful than The Dark Knight, which is saying something. Yeah, that movie made a billion as well. Now that's like the standard. Yeah. Did your superhero blockbuster get a billion dollars? Good job. Did it not? Oh man, you might you might well not even release the movie. You hack. <laughs> Fuck. Where are we ranking this? Should I go from the top up or the bottom down? What do you think? Start from the bottom. Start from the bottom? Start from the bottom. I think it goes, ends up... Is it better right. than Catwoman? Yes. Oh, absolutely. It's better than Batman and Robin. Yes. Is it better than Batman Forever? Yes. I would say that. Is it better than Birds of Prey? Ooh, this is where we, it gets a little interesting. You, I would think maybe marginally. Okay. I like the acting in Dark Knight Rises. It better. has better, bigger moments. Right. I would say it's better than Birds of Prey. I agree. Here's where I think the buck stops for me. Yeah, probably. Batman Returns. Too. Yeah, you know what? The both these movies have like a lot of dumb shit in them. I think. Uh, oh, I had way more fun watching Batman Returns. Right. Are you kidding me? Yep, that's it. Yep, there it goes. Right underneath Batman Returns. It's fucking low. <laughs> hey. There's some good movies, man. So our current ranking is best to worst. Dark Knight, Batman Begins, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, Batman 1966. Yeah. Yeah, do you Batman 1989, Batman Returns, The Dark Knight Rises, also known as The Plane Scene, and then two hours. If it was just The Plane Scene, it would be number one. (laughs) (laughs) No, it wouldn't. Uh, Birds of Prey, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, and Catwoman. Uh... Next week, is, is, is it time for BVS? Piss jars back, baby. Hell yeah, baby. Piss jar too. Now uh, I wanted to float something towards you here. Yeah, and I know this is going to be painful for you. Yeah, let's it's watch be the painful. Ul- you were going to watch that. Yeah, let's watch version. the ultimate edition. I have never seen the ultimate edition. Neither have I. Some people let's watch the Snyder cut. Who I do not believe. <laughs> let's watch the Snyder. Cut. That's what it is. Cut, you're going to fucking get. right. Uh, <laughs> Some people claim it makes the movie more intelligible and better. And to them I say, are you sure? By how much? By by what percentage? Yeah, that's Is the thing. Is it 1%? I, be, I bet it's like 10% better than a movie that's already like 70% bad. Yeah. So it's like a 40% I now. may have to outright buy this movie, which I'm kind of okay with doing if I can find it used somewhere. I'll get back to you on that one. For now, I'm going to say that the plan... It's all part of the plan. Is to buy the deluxe ultimate edition, whatever it's called. Dope. The, watch that garbage. Yeah. We're in the we're into the DCU movies now, and we're not gonna be able to escape. No, that, it's gonna suck. That top five is pretty much gonna stay. <sighs> yeah, I think so. The only thing that could even come close is something like a Lego Batman, if that surprises me and is good. Yeah. Maybe a, the Joker uh, might be high. Maybe. For me, I like it. I don't I mean, know if it like, beats 66, dude. I would agree with you there. It may may have a may have an argument if it's 89, though. Maybe. I don't know where I land on that. Rewatch the movie. Yeah. We'll see. And we'll just do it then. We continue our quest to... Uh, kill our brain cells next week with Batman v Superman Dawn of Piss (laughs) so you know how I was really extra real quick before we go you know how I was really extra with plane scene 
on this uh-huh. episode, and that's why this took so long. You're gonna be, you're gonna be extra with piss. Oh, you know to be so extra about that piss jar, baby. Extra piss. Extra, extra piss. Can I get that pizza with extra piss, please? You may. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs>